Uh, welcome to the Tuesday, January 11th, 2022 meeting of the Swamp Squad Zoning Board of Appeals, which is being held uh, via Zoom as permitted by Governor Baker's June 16th, 2021 order as, as has been amended. It's been posted as being by um, via Zoom. And I understand that a town-wide phone message went out uh, to inform the public um, of the change from a hybrid to a strictly Zoom with the uh, recent uptick in COVID cases. So I'm now going to begin our agenda. I will note that Dan Doherty texted me. He'll be joining us a little bit late this evening. I'm not sure exactly what time. Um, so with respect to our, our first item, or actually we have <clears throat> One petition that is on here that's being continued to January 18th to next week, 20, it's item five on our agenda, 2128, um, Cheryl Miller for 17 Crossman Ave. And item number six, petition 2126, Pine Street Development LLC, which is being continued to February 15th, 2021. So I'm gonna make a motion to continue those two matters to the both their respective meetings as I indicated. Do I have a second on that motion? Second. Okay, so I have Brad, so I'm gonna do a roll call. So I'm a yes, Brad? Yes. Okay, Heather? Yes. Tony? Yes. Ron? Yes. Do I have everybody on my screen here? Paula here yet? I think that's um, Paula is going to be, um, Heather just told me Paula is going to be running late. Um, okay. All right. And yeah. Andy not make is, it at all. Andy might not, I don't think Andy's coming because he's recused on the win, the, excuse me, the Elm Place item. So. Okay. So on that motion, it's me, Brad, Heather. Ron and Tony. Okay, so those two are taken care of. Next, we have uh, approval of past meeting minutes. We, we have meeting minutes from November 30th uh, that were uh, circulated today. Are there any comments from the board on those minutes? There's 2104 and then 21L place, 2101 that we have minutes on. No alterations, changes, deletions, additions. So I'll make a motion to approve the meeting minutes. Do I have a second on that? Second. Let's for us, we're gonna do a roll call again. So I am a yes, Brad? Yes. Um, Heather? Yes. Tony? Yes. Ron? Yes. Okay, so I think that's Okay, so then the next item is petition 2127, which is continued from December 21st, 2021, 22 Berkshire Street. Um, Ms. Martin Epstein, I thought I saw you on my screen here. Okay. You did. 
All right, good evening, welcome. So we saw you, we got your revised plans and you made some changes. Could you tell us about the changes that you made? Yeah, sure. The um, revised plot plan um, shows the approved, approvable uh, setback dimensions. So the uh, open space of the, the deck extension um, now complies with the, um, requ the requested um, setback dimension. Uh, the other chain. It's 20 feet required. You have 16 feet, right? So, right. So that was within the. That, my understanding is that's within the, the allowable variance. It's it's a dimensional special permit. Right. We can give you relief for up to 20% of the applicable setback. Okay. So that's one change. The other uh, changes to note are that um, we made sure that the privacy screen was, well, we redesigned the privacy screen. I think we, uh, the two the two comments from our neighbor from the last uh, meeting indicated a concern about the veracity of the privacy screen. I think it's pretty voracious now. And the other uh, change is uh, after some thought, we redesigned the chimney so it's no longer a wood burning chimney. It's a fire. It's a uh, gas a gas chimney. Okay, excellent. Okay, are there any uh, anyone that wanted to be heard on? The changes. Uh, have you spoken with your neighbor since the time to show the revised plans? Well, my understanding was that the redesign was actually not in the purview of the relief you were granting, and so we did it as a. I mean, for us, it was really an investment in our in the design, so that we wouldn't have a you know constant worry about our neighbor's concern. But I didn't um, think that it was notice that needed to be given to him, uh, you know, in, in advance of a zoning hearing. Just, just wondering if you shared the plan. So if the neighbor had it, well, we'll we'll share it. We'll share it with him. Um, if they're approved, we can we can well, share. It. Well, it's it's. I'm curious if there's um. If but Mark, I forwarded them to the Hayes directly. Okay. Great. Okay. So are they are they is Mr. Hayes is he or Mr. Hayes anybody present from that? He emailed me that he was trying to get on and was having. It looked like what were connectivity issues on his end. Um, cause I'm not seeing his name in the attendees. So, okay. so I can tell anybody who's watching at home on television that they can always dial in and call in, right. And join our meeting and then raise their hand. Use the raise your hand feature to be recognized. Right. Marissa. Correct. Yes. Okay. So if, um, if he wanted to be heard and he's having trouble connecting to the zoom, I'd suggest he call in. Is there anyone else who wanted to be heard on this petition? I suggest use the raise your hand feature. I'm not seeing anything. Okay. So um, I'd like to just give a, a few minutes to see if um, if Mr. Hayes or anyone from the Hayes does want to be heard on anything here before we close the public hearing and vote. So um, why don't we do this? Um, why don't we briefly continue yours? We have one other short um, agenda item. 
before we get to Elm Place. So we'll we'll do that and we'll come back, see if he's had a chance to join, and then we'll take a vote on yours. Okay, Ms. Martin Epstein. Okay. So um, we're gonna just continue that matter. Um, I don't think it's necessary to have the motion continue. So we'll keep that essentially open while we go to petition 2129. It's number two on our agenda, assign design request for 410 Humphrey Street. Is there anyone here on that petition? Yes, hi, I'm Marie from Sign Design. How are you? Um, so I'm representing Jack Conway in this. We are the sign company that's doing the sign for Jack Conway. They actually, they're rebranding their, um, their real estate sign just to Jack Conway. They are doing 23 locations and they're just trying to get this um, the same right across the board. So what we're doing is we're doing the sign at the exact same size that is located on the building right now at 410 hum Humphrey Street. And, um, and I know it was an issue of color and that's why we're basically here today. Um, they're just doing red and white and that's a basic plan. Do you have copies of that? Well, I'll ask I'm pulling them up right now. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So the so, colors yeah. on the which are on the right of my screen, right? Jack Conway Real Estate, right? That's the old sign on the right, and what we're proposing is on the left. They're just changing it to um, Jack Conway, red and white. I mean, basically everybody now knows the Jack Conway name as a real estate company, so they're just making everything just a clean sign, red and white. Marissa, did um, planning department or planning board have any comments about this petition? They it's did not. It, um, I, this didn't go before the planning board. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it should have, but um, I, I thought that it was only awnings that had to go to planning and not necessarily signs. <clears throat> I think you're right. Um, okay but they still had get a copy of the petition, but there were no comments. No. And I can, if you wanna, I don't know if you wanna condition, I, I, to be honest, I, um, oh, let me see if Molly had anything. I think Molly just said that she wasn't sure it would be approval just because of the colors, but, um, but that was it. Mark, is this in the Humphrey Street overlay? It yes, it's at, it's at 410 Humphrey. Didn't we have a similar question with uh, it's the same it the yogurt place or was it the I, no, it was I had an issue with uh, on the same building, I thought with um, I thought it was um, no, you know what it was? It was at um, uh, where Red Rock, the the ice cream window. Oh, yeah, right didn't we have a whole discussion about whether or not they wanted to have a multicolored sign there? Yeah, I thought the letters had to be, I thought the, I think the color of the sign had, was okay. Could be anything, but I thought, the, I thought 
at least down the street, it had to be gold lettering. Gold. And I think that now that you're saying that, um, I think that is correct, but they were looking to do white to keep their branding across the board the same. Is the Probably. beauty loft sign, is that, that's the current beauty loft sign that's in black? I'm not doing the, the blue beauty loft, but yeah, those are the current signs that are up there right now. And I think that may have been an issue, but that's not our jurisdiction to enforce. Um, I can't recall how that's been approved or not, but um, I just want to take a look at the overlay district is 4.700. And I thought they had to be black signs with gold letters. That's my memory too. That's why I was asking if planning had comments. It didn't. It did, it doesn't have to be black. I don't. I, I think that I think the desire is black, but my recollection is that it doesn't have to be black. It could because some of the signs down there are green with gold. Yeah. I think that I think it just has to be gold lettering. But I'm trying to find it myself. Mark, what section is it? It begins at 4.7.00, I'm about 4.7, um, 5.0, um, this is, this is B1, right? This is B1 district. Yes. So isn't it 3.2.4.1 and then what? I think it's VI where it talks about the gold lettering. Okay, so what, what's that section again, Tony? Uh, 3.2.4.1, and it's subsection VI or AVI. Okay. It says all graphics and lettering in the sign must be colored gold. Yeah, okay, so unless it is. Single background color, yeah, right. Oh, well, that's projection sign is for Roman numeral six. Is that what you are in three point two point four point one, or is that? Yeah, I think that's where I was. Hang on, I lost it. Yeah, Roman numeral six. I don't know if my um, if I have the updated. Are you online looking at yours, or are you looking at a printout? This one says twenty twenty one. I have, I might be out of date though. <laughs> I'm, I'm on I'm online on page thirty five. Yeah. So could you read um, the language, Ron? So this says in the B one district only. Each sign shall be no more than 30 inches tall. All graphics and lettering in the sign must be colored gold, which color shall be the same as the color gold used in all other signs on the building. Signs must contain a gold colored line having a width of at least one inch located no less than one inch inside the perimeter of the display area of the sign, which must be the same. So I think it sounds like, Marie, it sounds like you know this is the requirement. You're asking for us, you're asking for a variance on this. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Right. So I don't, we can't give, I mean, we, the, the variance is extraordinary relief. You would need to show that you have some type of hardship because of the 
topography of the lot or the um well these are the only two signs on the building and they have blue and black we were just looking for white yeah and I, as i said I, I think that the um the beauty loft sign is is not one that we granted relief for um i don't know um what has been done with enforcement that's not our jurisdiction i think it used to be gold i think their sign used to have gold but somehow they were able to change it without but, but, but that that's still it's an enforcement issue and i, I actually right. i think this has to go to planning yeah i mean that's so marie the um here's the issue that that i see um in terms of our jurisdiction it would need to be a, a variance and you know what planning and town meeting have told us is that they want a specific sign here. So unless there's some reason um, why uh, the sign should not be as um, the bylaw provides, and we are to consider the extraordinary relief of variance, we would need to hear first from planning. So my, my advice would be to um, continue it we have a meeting next week that we could put you on the agenda. Okay. And and you could you could look to talk to our planning department, see whether you want to change your application and the proposed sign. But I think it's unlikely that you're going to get relief from the gold letter requirement because we're looking for the uniformity in the district. Okay. okay. So are you okay with continuing to next week? Um, I guess yeah, that would be good. Just to I mean. And I'd encourage you to meet with um, with Marissa, and um, and to you could talk with our building inspector as well, and just try to get an idea as to um, find out when Plenty Board is meeting next, and okay. perhaps you could um, you know get some insight there before you come back to us. If you decided you wanted to wait another month because you need more time to get through all that stuff, you could just ask Marissa. For, uh, to continue to the next month. No, so we can, um, I'd rather do this sooner than later. Uh, Jack Conway's looking to um, do their changeover the beginning of February. So because there are so many locations, yeah. a location like this would be last on the list because I know I have to go through all the steps. Right. Um, but, I guess, so, but I guess the question is if you, I mean, if you take this sign Make the make the lettering gold and do the gold border similar to how the previous sign was. Yeah. We can give the relief tonight. Well, is, is, do they do they even need relief? They wouldn't if they were going to change it to comply. Just change the from Jack Conway Real Estate to Jack Conway and meet the requirements of our bylaw. They wouldn't need to come back to us. Right. So that's oh. my, that's so that's my point. That's a great point. So the sign has to have the border around. Yes. Um, the border around it also? Yep, yeah. that's what our bylaw provides. So if you were looking for relief from that, it would once again, that'd still be a variance okay. the sign. So um, you can consider that. You could confirm with, with Marissa um, and with the building inspector that if you were going to change the lettering to gold and look to have the gold border, um, you likely wouldn't need to come back to us for any relief. But in okay. we're gonna keep your, your place in line. So we'll put you on for next week and I'll make a motion to continue the hearing um, to, is it January 18th, Marissa? 
Yes, a week from today. Okay, so we'll put you on our agenda. Oh, is that okay with you, Marie? You'll agree to yeah, that would be that would be great because I'll um, speak to um, Carol Bowman, who is Jack Conway's daughter, who is the one that's coordinating, looking for coordinating with all of this, and let her know. Um, and then, so if if she decides that she wants to go, so let me get this straight. I'm sorry, I've only done a few of these Zoom meetings. Yeah. Um, if she decides she wants to go, would it be going through planning first of variance if she does want to see if she can get this? I can, I can tell you my opinion is that it, it looks to me that um, you're going to have an extraordinarily difficult time getting a variance okay. for um, the current sign that you, that's been proposed. So um, I'm, I'm saying you could talk to Marissa because she, if you if you can find something that meets the definition of our bylaw mm -hmm. um, and satisfies your client, and then you wouldn't need to come back here. Okay, why don't you keep me to, uh, for the 18th yep. in talking to Marissa between now and then, I'll let her know whether she needs to pull us off or we're gonna stay on. Perfect, so I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make a motion to continue to the 18th. Do I have a second on that? Second. Okay, I'll do a roll call. So I'm a yes. Brad? Yes. Ron? Yes. Um, Tony? Yes. Heather? Yes. I think that's everyone that's here from the board. Okay, so we're going to continue to the 18th and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to go back now to um, 2127. Uh, Marissa, do you know if um, anyone is here from the Hayes or anyone else that wants to be heard on uh, the 22 Berkshire Street? Yes, Paul, uh, Paul Hayes is here. Okay, great. Um, so Mr. Hayes, looking for you here. I, I see. Oh, I think he's on mute. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Mr. Hayes. How are you this evening? Good, thank you. So, um, for the, um, the changes that were made by. I saw the changes and I, I'm fine with everything that they've done. They've gone from the wood burning uh, fireplace to the gas fireplace, which will eliminate the smoke issue that I, that I was really going to have a problem with, I think. So. All right, that's great. So this uh, seems like it's a, been a very nice collaborative project. Um, is there anyone else that wanted to be heard about this petition? Hearing none, is there anyone that wanted to make a motion from the board? Anyone? Yeah, I'm happy to write this one. Um, I just don't have the original um, uh, application in front of me. Um, to make I can pull happen. it up. Oh, thanks. One second. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, While no you're problem. doing that, I'm going to make a motion to close the public hearing um, and constitute the board as the five members who are present. Um, so I am a yes. Do I have a second on that motion? Second. Okay. So I'm going to do a roll call. I'm a yes. Heather, you're yes. yes. Brad? Yes. Ron? Yes. Um, Tony? Yes. 
Okay. So once we get that out for us, all right, excellent. So this is the, I have two apps. I have, this is the original, and then this is the one that was submitted with the modifications. Yeah, that's fine. I just needed the, the, the application number and if you know, oh, okay. yeah. Um, so I'm going to move to um, approve uh, petition 2127 for a dimensional special permit to construct a um, uh, to, de to demo and then reconstruct a um, three season room along with a new deck, um, according to the plans, the revised plan submitted. Yeah, okay. And the the survey that showed the setbacks. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I'll second that motion. I'm gonna do a roll call. So Heather? Yes. I'm a yes. Brad? Yes. Ron. You're muted, Ron. Uh yes. Yeah, I was trying to find on you. Tony? Yes. Okay, so um, Ms. Martin Epstein, you have your relief on a 5-0 vote. Thank you very much for a well, very well done petition and making those changes and wish you good luck with your project. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. The next matter is petition 2101, wind development. Um, I think I saw Chris Drukas was able to get on here. I do see Chris. Um, and um, I think I saw Ezra as well, our consultant who's here. Yeah, okay. So Chris, I think you're on mute right now. Mark, were you gonna wait for Dan to see if Dan could join us? I don't know what time he's gonna be here and I don't think we're gonna finish tonight because we have outstanding peer review. So I'd suggest that we, we're not going to constitute the board and Dan can listen to the, the, he can watch the video, what he missed, and then certify um, with a Mullen affidavit and then be in a position to vote on the petition. Good. Okay. Okay, so Mr. Drukas, I think I still see you on mute. Yeah, I, Chairman, if you're ready, I can kick us off this evening. Okay, hi, Angela. Hi. And Thank you for confirming that Ezra was in attendance. Um, well, first off, just you know, good evening and thank you for having us. Um, we, I'm going to start to share my screen if that's okay, Marissa. And Take it away. Okay. Yes, please. Okay. Can you see? Yes. Looks good. Okay, great. Um, so again, thank you for having us. We look forward to, to going over uh, with you all the latest and greatest plans for the important Elm Space project. And in attendance this evening is the entire project team represented here. Um, including our council, which is Peter Freeman and John Smollett. And I was wondering if either town staff or the chairman could confirm if any other members of the various uh, town peer review teams were here tonight. 
So Marissa, can you confirm? Um, I reached out to Rodney from World Tech and he did say he was going to come. Um, I'm not seeing him yet. So hopefully, oh, I have a, oh, no, here he is. Um, I'm gonna promote him to panelist. Um, Rodney is here, Victoria is not able to make it. Um, so it looks like it's just Rodney from World Tech. Okay, and no one from architecture? Uh, no, Victoria was unable to make it, unfortunately. Okay. All right, thank I you. I thought Victoria was doing the, um, the site work. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, you're right. Um, Cliff, but Cliff still Solmer. nobody from the architectural team. He would be next next meeting. Yes. Okay. Thank you for confirming. Sure. So here's a roadmap of what we plan to cover with you all this evening. We'll, we'll go over general project updates and then the updated site, parking layout, and circulation plan that was submitted to the board last week. And we'll just wrap up with some updates to transportation alternatives that the you know, team is continuing to explore. So as you uh, may recall, right prior to the first CBA meeting, the Elm Place team had a hearing with the planning board. We received comments from the planning board shortly before our first CBA meeting. And our takeaway and understanding from that first CBA meeting was that uh, you all also wanted us to explore, study, and respond to many of the comments captured from that planning board. So that's a lot of what we've been working on since the last meeting. And I think you'll see how the updated plan or revised plan really responds to the majority of those comments. Uh, we certainly thought we had a great plan before, but now we think it's uh, it's even better. And hitting on some project updates, you know, because we want to continue to be transparent with our project plans and try to the best of our ability to work with the town and community to build a great project that accomplishes multiple goals. Prior to this meeting, uh, we just wanted to let you know we've reached out to a number of stakeholders and abutters to update uh, to discuss this updated plan. So we met with the Swampscott Housing Authority board and executive director again. Uh, we've met with them in the past. We've met with some leaders of some neighborhood groups who've been actively following the project. And we also reached back out to all direct project abutters to inform them of updated plans. Um, importantly, we had productive meetings last week with the fire department and the Department of Public Works. We've met with both departments a few times previously, and so we definitely wanted to run this updated plan by them. Nothing changes from the fire department prevention memo previously issued by them. We'll still abide by all of those requirements from that memo. The fire department has confirmed that the updated plan uh, continues to allow adequate, if not enhanced, access to the Elm Place project. And we also made sure to review all new sidewalks with Public Works, um, who's on board with everything you'll see tonight. So let's get to the plan. So future slides will kind of zoom into specific parts of the plan because we recognize it's a bit hard to see everything at this scale. But I did want to start with an overview and make sure 
it's clear that the building number of units, unit mix, and the project location, those have all remained the same. So it's still 120 units, mostly one bedrooms, but a mix of studios to threes, and still has the same resident amenity spaces. Its location is still along Pittman Road and Essex and Elm Place down to the train tracks. What you see here is that our parking count has changed slightly from 128 total spaces to 127 to accommodate addressing many of the comments we heard last time. So we're still at a parking ratio above one to one, which we continue to believe is completely appropriate and adequate for a project of this type and size in this location. Um, before I move on to the next slide, I wanna make sure we're all oriented because the orientation will change on future slides. So can you see my cursor? Okay, so right now, right, we're kind of looking at this the main way with Essex Street here, north facing. Um, and now we're going to kind of turn so north is facing this way. And now we're looking at Pittman. So the first, uh, first thing we'll zoom into are updates along Pittman Road. So previously, this is showing the previous plan. Most of the parallel spaces along Pittman Road uh, spilled into the public right-of-way. Uh, you can see in this image here that the, um, that the, sorry, uh, the property line is indicated in blue um, and, you know, you can kind of see this zoomed in how the parking spaces, you know, most are on our property, but there was some spillover. So here, is our updated Pittman Road parking area. It's zoomed out a little bit so you can see the whole stretch of road. The blue line is still the property line. And one thing we were able to accom accommodate uh, was fitting all of these parallel parking spaces along Pittman entirely onto our property. So no longer use any part of the parking space spill over onto the public road. We now have 11 spaces along Pittman that all are with appropriate parallel parking space dimensions. And spending a bit more time here on the Pittman Road part of the project, uh, here we have our prior plans showing the emergency access vehicle turnaround area. We wanted to call this out because as we discussed at the last CBA meeting, there was just confusion as to if there would be a parking space in front of this turnaround area. And I'll go to our updated plan and we're confirming that there's not. So our 11 parking spaces along Pittman Road um, are, there's 11 and then there is this space for uh, potential you know, emergency access vehicles to access to turnaround because this area is going to primarily serve as outdoor amenity space, efforts have been made to keep it as green and, and usable as possible. So with these updates, we thought it would be nice to show you what it would look like. So here we have an updated rendering of Pittman Road. Here we are looking north. You can see the parallel spaces, as well as that outdoor patio, nicely landscaped area that can accommodate an emergency vehicle turnaround. 
the design of the building along Pittman has remained the same with the, you know, things like elements of stone to match existing neighborhood fabric, individual unit entry doors down along here, and a variety of trees and plantings. And here's the Pittman Road updated rendering facing the other direction, kind of highlighting our main entrance, again, showing the landscaping and trees. Um, and yeah. So moving on now to from the Pittman Road part of the project to the general parking layout and circulation. And this is our prior plan. And we had a number of comments uh, regarding this aspect of the plan uh, from you all. And although we certainly felt like this was a good plan, we do think we were able to make a number of improvements. So here is the new plan. And these improvements include first, completely separating out the entrances and exits for vehicles uh, for the project parking and for Burke's Tumbling Gym or BTA. So we're looking at you know, the plan in regular view, just zoomed in. So this is Elm Place. And as you can see, we've got a curb cut closest to the BD, uh, BTA gym. And this now serves as an entrance and an exit with two lanes uh, direction traffic going to parking spaces exclusively for uh, BTA customers. And meanwhile, closer to Essex Street up here, the Elm Place project will have two curb cuts, uh, one for an entrance and one for an exit. And making these curb cut and circulation changes here necessitated changing the parking layout as well. So you'll see there's no longer any head-in parking along Elm Place, but instead there's a continuous pedestrian path, uh, sidewalk and crosswalks going all the way from Essex down to BTA and our property. It's a little hard to see here, but our plans also indicate where key signage will be. And in this area, the inner parking lot between project parking and BTA parking, there will be a raised painted crosswalk. And that's planned so that if needed, emergency vehicles can still access and circulate um, this parking lot appropriately. And as mentioned earlier in this plan, uh, or early in this presentation, uh, the team met with the fire department last week and reviewed this plan and uh, turning radiuses and everything was deemed adequate for their purposes. Just uh, zooming out a little more, other modifications that have been made uh, include calling out a dedicated delivery and drop-off area over here near one of the front entrances. We were able to overall increase the amount of bicycle parking on site. And we also just want to note that we're still absolutely proposing the potential bus stop and shelter up here along Essex. The only thing that changed in regard to the connected parking lot, that parking lot off to the side um, 
is that we were able to enhance the pedestrian route kind of to and from our building right along here down this sidewalk long so it's hard to see down over here um, so in addition to lighting that we previously reviewed with you all we were able to add in um, sidewalk as well continuous sidewalk going out to this connected parking lot and going back to the full view of the main project area we also just wanted to note that our landscaping plans have been updated to the tune of this new parking layout and circulation. So we do have trees indicated here, as well as all spaces that will be, you know, grassy or nicely landscaped are called out in green. So they pop and you can kind of see where everything is. And in addition to trying to accommodate as much landscaping as possible, we're also just wanted to let you know that we're continuing to explore ways in which to promote a car-free lifestyle and just support you know the way of development in general such as including ev charging stations all of the stuff on this screen we're still having conversations with and still exploring you know the transit-oriented nature of this project lends itself well to things we think like car sharing and transit screens for you know real-time info and we'll just continue to keep uh, working on hopefully integrating all these into the project. So that concludes you know, the main things that we wanted to highlight uh, for you all this evening. And I did just want to take a moment and give some updates though on peer reviews. Uh, for the traffic peer review, we know, so World Tech was able to review all these updated plans um, that we went over. They provided comments and questions, and we just submitted our response back to them today. Um, so they have all that, and I know Rodney's here if he has any questions. And earlier today, we received the comments from VM uh, Consulting on sewer and stormwater. So we're in the process of digesting all of that, and we'll be able to respond shortly, um, definitely before any next meeting. And then for last, for architecture peer review, I don't believe we've received any comments yet, but wanted to confirm that Davis Square has everything they need to get underway. And hopefully that they, um, that we can kind of go back and forth with them in advance of the next CBA meeting. So that I will, I will wrap up there. Um, so thank you. And we look forward to hearing any questions that the, the board might have. Hey, thank you very much. I, maybe I should ask Ezra about those questions for um, the peer review question. Yep. Can you all hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Um, thanks so much for the, the presentation and for sort of queuing up exactly what we needed to go over next, which was talking about peer review and, and next stages. Um, you know, and I think as you, as you mentioned, there's basically three parts of peer review. There's the transportation and, and parking and access. And we're lucky to have Rod Emery here today. And that's probably the most advanced of the three. And I think he can hopefully speak in just a moment to sort of confirm what you just reported and, and raise any other concerns he has. Um, and then there's the, the stormwater, sewer, water, that sort of stuff. Um, that's VM Consulting. They're on board and, and they've given you that memo. I'm hoping that there's nothing in that memo that seemed out of the ordinary for you 
and that a lot of that would be fairly standard request and you probably have the information already and we can ideally work things out as you as you said between now and the next meeting and come with a fairly clean bill of health or at least any sticking points identified for the board for them to sort of focus in on um, i don't think you know the board particularly needs to discuss you know the, the the sewer flow as long as the engineers all agree this is the correct amount um and then thirdly was uh the architecture peer review that was the last one we mentioned just in the last meeting we did we i think we requested proposals from about four or five different firms we did we did find one that then came on board um it's davis square architects i believe marissa correct me if i'm wrong they they are under contract now and they're reviewing it and i think are fully prepared to be at the next meeting um, and I think if they could meet with you in between to discuss any concerns they had, that would be would be great. Um, um, to my knowledge, they're not yet under contract, but oh. um, hopefully within the this week. Okay, and that's a town procurement sticking yeah, point. We're or? still um, we're still waiting on the payment. Um, I know it was issued, but we haven't received anything yet, so um, no official contact until we um, okay. have the payment. But we have order. we have a scope. We have a consultant on board the applicants agreed it's acceptable um i've actually worked with cliff bomer in the past and i i imagine he's already looking at the plans to put his thoughts together um and i think he was even hoping to be here tonight except for there was a conflict that he identified way back when he responded so so that's where we're at on that i think probably if, if rod's here and is able to speak just briefly on the the parking you know then we could turn to, to what's remaining Does that sound okay with you mark that sounds great. Appreciate Thanks. it. Um, yeah, this is Rod Emery from World Tech. Um, tuning in. Tuning in. Um, I did take a quick look at the parking plan and wrote a, you know, a summary letter on it. And I and I appreciate the efforts that was made to try to improve the parking. And certainly, uh, what I noted in my report or my letter was that that sidewalk and curb, the new curb along Elm Place is a real, you know, was a real problem in the old plan. And this is, this really addresses the driveways and defining that access along Elm Place. I, I did make a comment about the number of spaces provided and it wasn't clear to me that Pittman, uh, Pittman Road was, uh, was going to be not, uh, not on the public right away. So I, discounted those 11 spaces as part of the supply. So if, if, if that's on, you know, public, I mean, on private property and part of the site plan, then I would amend my comment about the supply. It, it's not an exact science. And I know Jeff and the people from VAI did a supplementary parking study and came up with some numbers about 1.1, I think spaces per unit. ITE is a little bit higher. There's also some references on number of bedrooms and how much parking. I think with the extra 11 spaces, they're in the ballpark for the right number of spaces. It's a little um, awkward that they have this little adjacent parking. Um, one of my big comments though, is that the summary says that the spaces are, are eight feet by 22 feet, or I mean, eight by 18. Um, and Parking previously under the buildings were nine foot spaces. So I didn't see any changes in the number of spaces. So I assume those are still nine, nine feet wide. And some of the surface, the 30 spaces in the surface lot are the proposed eight foot wide. And I may, I may be interpreting this wrong because it's 
a little hard to get the dimensions and certainly the dimensions for the compact spaces were not shown. Generally eight feet is a little too narrow in my mind for a parking space. So you end up with, you know, people sort of squeezing into those and then you lose a space or two. So I'm, I'm might need some clarification on the dimensions for the parking. It was one of the comments I made. I was happy to see that we have the bicycle parking and there were some comments about the um, electric charging stations and the park and ride, um, the ride sharing services. Uh, I did make a comment that um, some, of the, some of the signage would be, be careful on um, adding um, directional, directional information on a stop sign. Generally stop signs are supposed to be you know, not cluttered with other signs. That, that's just a technical comment, but um, so the dimensions on the parking and the size of the spaces are still a question I have, I guess is my biggest question. So if I may, Rodney, it was just late this afternoon, but we did get back to you on those items. And so what I showed, uh, and I, well, for, let me confirm. So the parking dimensions have not changed. So I don't know what caused that confusion, but I can confirm that they are still of appropriate size. So um, 18 by nine compact, eight and a half by 16 throughout. Okay. And we sent, and we marked up a plan and that's included in what we sent back to you. I don't think I received any emails today, but I'll, I'll check. It, it was late this afternoon to the town. So I don't know if you've gotten it yet. Oh, okay. Angela, one of the comments Rodney made just uh, we should address is where the Pittman Road spaces are, private versus public. Yes, no, no, it seems like that's um, clear now in Rodney. We also made sure to make that clear in our response to they are 100% within our property now. Um, Rodney, can I ask you a question about um, you're talking about the, the cluttering with the potentially with the signs. So should the uh, crosswalks, I'm not sure if I heard from Angela that they're elevated or not as a traffic calming measure for safety to slow people down or? I think the one crosswalk <clears throat> at the, <clears throat> the rear of the Berks parking was the one that was raised. I think that's just to prevent, there's a, a note to, if you come out from under the building at the rear of the property, you're not supposed to take a right into the Berks parking. You're supposed to go out up the other exit if you're a residential. So I think there's some potential to have some kind of signage to tell you that. And I think that raised crosswalk is there to sort of give you a hint that, you know, it, it'll still give fire access, but not to, not to encourage people uh, coming out from under the building to turn right immediately and go out that exit. I think that's what that is, which is a good thing. Okay. All right. Was there anyone on the board that had any questions for, um, for Rodney or about um, any of the items he's looked at for traffic and parking and those safety issues? I had a question. Is, are the parking spaces allotted per unit? Like, are they assigned spaces? So this is Gilbert. That was a question um, that was raised last meeting as well. And, and I'll say, yes, you know, we're, we are, um, we'll assign parking per unit. Um, we're not gonna give somebody a second spot unless there is ample ability to do so. So it's really gonna be 
everyone should get a spot. If they don't want it for some reason, they'll let us know, but we'll assign a spot per unit. And Ronnie, um, what do you think of that? You think that helps? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we did discuss that last time that there's sort of a parking management plan that goes with the site to either have a signed parking or some kind of permit for it. And also that keep people out of the Berks parking, which I, you know, would be to me uh, a temptation. It was late at night, I guess, to park there if Berks Academy is not, is not in, you know, it's not in, in use at that time. But I think that's the right thing to do is have a parking plan uh, for each for for the for the development. So one thing we've had um, on other sites in the past has been relationships with the butters that have been worked out for when we have a snow emergency and there can't be cars parked on the public way. I wonder if there's any ability that the applicant might have for that situation for the overnight to um, to negotiate something with Burks to use to rent their spaces for overnight time to get cars off the public way for the residents that may not be in the parking lot. Is that something, Angela, that you think might, or maybe I should ask Rodney? Yeah, we can certainly look at that. Okay, Rodney, what do you think about that? Do you think that would help? Sure, and it, it, I live in Newburyport and <laughs> we have that situation because you can't park on the streets during snowstorms, so that happens quite a bit. Right. Okay. Um, we were fortunate to build a garage last or two years ago, so I know that it's a dollar an hour, and I I parked there because I have I don't have a driveway at my house here in Newburyport, so it's it also saves me from cleaning off the car, uh, you know, after the snowstorm. <laughs> I do like that feature. Right. I don't think we have any plans anytime soon for a parking garage um, in the area. So. No, but all the local, you, you get a permit in this in new report that you can park in a municipal lot during snowstorm without, you know, well, it's a, you know, there's a certain grace period, I think a week afterwards that you can still have your car parked there and not be ticketed. So they do use a lot of the municipal lots for that purpose. Well, that might be something else. This site isn't far from the, from the high school. So I wonder about for a major storm, also perhaps looking to, um, to inquire of the town about um, other vehicles in the neighborhood, not just perhaps um, vehicles with this project, but other vehicles that perhaps parked in this lot, in this area before, um, about what the ability is for residents to park in the high school lot. So just a thought to think about. Anybody else have any questions about the parking plan? and? One other point I'll, I'll just throw out there is, um, I mean, just remember one nice thing about having a, a traffic peer review consultant is a lot of these issues can be worked out. They can be you know clarified in the plan, but then we also have this sort of second bite at the apple when, you know, if this is approved with conditions, um, we could be turning to Rod to ask, you know, for any, any conditions that should be in there about, you know, say a parking management plan or how the signage should be posted or what do you do under snow. Um, so all that can, you know, we can, we can look to sort of, it's, it's a, a kind of standard practice 
towards the, the back end of this whole process is we gather those peer review memos and essentially it's like an act of collation of turning all of them into possible conditions if the board is, is leaning towards approval. So, um, so that's something to hopefully look forward to. And all these things can, can be notes Rod can put down and, and make sure they're clear in there. I have okay. one other just clarification uh, and I apologize if I missed this, uh, Angela, on your, the, the distinction between where the Burke's lot is and the um, Elm Street side, how is that delineated? Meaning, is it just a median? Is it curbing? What's the separation between those two lots? One moment here. Are you, uh, Brad, talking about this area? Um, is it the black line all around? No, yeah, the, the black, yes, the black line, actually the one that goes in between the 14 and the 16. Oh, oh, right, like right here. Yeah. Uh, so this, there is nothing planned right now. They'll just be, so this will be a head in parking space, head in parking space, tainted lines, similar to up here. Um, and so it's just this area that has the painted raised crosswalk. And then um, up here, I think uh, Mark asked earlier, these are not raised, but just crosswalks over here. So to, to Brad's, I think, point, I, if we could do it, it would feel like smart to make that black line a curb at the very least. I want to ask Rod what he thinks about for that location that Brad points out for what would be an appropriate safety item and um, what he thinks for that design. I think one of the reasons mm -hmm. just to add is the curb would interfere with uh, snow removal plows. Something to think about. But is that when it says proposed lot line, is that going to be in fee to Burks? They're going to own that property at that lot line? Uh. So this will be, I guess answer it, this will be a separate parcel with that line here in the property line, correct? So, so this will be, be a separate parcel for, for DPA. So if this is approved, there'd be an A and R, it would readjust the lot lines and then there would be needs to um, make it in fee. There won't be cross, I mean, there must be some type of cross easement that's gonna be required too. But those are anticipated, correct. Yep. Right, for snow removal and things like that. So where where is snow gonna go here? Um, I, Mike could elaborate, but we, from the start, the plan for snow management at this site has been completely offsite removal. Is that right, Mike? Yes. So what if it's a, if it's a small storm you're going to take the snow off site. You wouldn't have any area that you could store even a small amount of snow. Well, again, the idea is to have it removed so that it's not a hindrance. Okay. So that we haven't really differentiated, you know, what's a little snow and what's a lot of snow. It's just, well, so let me enough. let me try to understand it. Um, we have a storm. We have designated spots for your um, 
your residents, let's assume they're all parked in their spots and you're looking to take the snow out, how do you accomplish that with having to bring in equipment to remove the snow and having all your residents parked in spots with a full lot of snow? What, how is that coordinated? I think it's gonna be implemented in the overall property management plan and how that's implemented because different companies have different, you know, it could be a Bobcat, it could be a plow, it could be, you know, there are different ways, but I think they're, they, we've seen situations where that's kind of conditioned that a, a property management plan, snow removal plan be kind of compiled and submitted. If that, if that would adjust the concerns. Well, I think that I would want to see, um, and that's something I think we have jurisdiction over with safety. And I think that would make sense perhaps at the next meeting for you to think about exactly how this plays out and what an appropriate plan would be for the site because it looks to me that there's you know, limitations with the site and bringing a bobcat in to pick up the snow, plow in to plow it, and a truck in to remove it. With all these cars parked there, there's no place to store the cars and coordinate a move. I mean, I, I just think it's a I wouldn't want to be responsible for the lot when for a snowstorm. So I think I'd like to see how you guys are going to do it. Sure. I can't handle my driveway. So <laughs> it's beyond the capacity of my snowblower, too. <laughs> no, agreed. Not not our only um, parking lot is as you would imagine in, in New England. So we'll we'll create a plan and send it over to the committee. Okay. Okay, any other questions from the board? Ezra. Yep. I'm wondering um, procedurally, um, should I be take, should we be taking any comments from the public about these specific issues? To get I think that's, that's probably a good idea. You know, I think we, we discussed earlier on of, you know, sort of committing to the public that we were going to review this in various stages, you know, parking and traffic and access, then stormwater and sewer, then design and landscaping. And that's a nice way to sort of focus the public comment so that people can, can raise their issues if, if they're things that the board hasn't thought of or concerns they would have, but not just sort of a free for all of any issue around it, you know, but sort of focus it into those topics. So I think, you know, that, that would seem appropriate to me, you know, and we do want to know thoughts, I mean, especially you know, things the peer reviewer might not have noticed or the board is not aware of. So to me, that seems, if that's past practice, it makes sense to me. Okay, so uh, why don't we do that? Why don't we focusing on the revised um, parking plan, traffic plan, um, and the issues that we've been talking about with, um, with the petitioners, uh, engineer, consultant, our peer review consultant. And while we have everybody here, let's see if people have questions limited to those issues of, of parking that we've been talking about. So I'd ask you to use the raise your hand feature. I do notice some people are using the chat feature and I would encourage them to not use that um, for um, trying to communicate with our board. It's not gonna be part of our record. Only what we hear for testimony from a recognized speaker is gonna be part of our record. 
So let's try and, um, and, and manage the, the comments that way so that we have a clean record and give everyone the opportunity to be heard and that their comments are public and not necessarily uh, just meant for a few people, but for the people that need to hear it and can address them. Mark, so, if, yes. I, if I may, that's, I mean, that's a great point. And I think the other may, maybe important point would be um, sometimes people just have questions for clarification. Sometimes they have a concern that can't be addressed right now, you know, but, but generally it's a good practice if the, if the comments are made to, to you as chair and the board, and then you can decide if it's a simple clarification question, you can pivot it to the, to the applicant or the peer reviewer, or if it's something that you know, is, is just a comment for you to consider or something that's gonna require later follow-up, but um, rather than getting into sort of um, you know, offline conversations between the public and the applicant. So. Okay, thank you, Ezra. So I'd ask anyone that uh, wanted to address the traffic plan, the issues that have been raised in the, with the, the fire turnaround, the parking, the changes in the plan, and for the two um, experts that we have that have provided their, um, their comments. So please use the raise your hand feature and I'd ask Marissa to let me know if anyone's looking to be heard. Sure, uh, I have a few hands raised already. So I'm going to call first on Maura White. Um, okay, um, it's not letting me unmute her without promoting her to panelist. So how do you wanna handle that, Mark? Um, well, she wants to be heard. She should be able to be heard. I wonder why okay. we that problem we haven't in the past. Uh, it says she's using an older version of Zoom, so she would have to be promoted to panelist in order to be able to speak. And then after she's promoted to panelist, you're able to move her back to attendee. Uh, let me see if that option exists. Uh, let me just check my panelist functions here. Yes, I can do that. So why don't we do that? Okay, great. Thank you. Ms. White? Might take her a second to connect. There she is, yep. Okay, Ms. White? Uh, uh, you're on mute, Maura, sorry. There okay. you go. Okay, thank you so much for doing that for me. Um, my house sits, I'm not of a, a butter, so I haven't been privy to a lot of the conversations. My house is down directly across from Brooks Academy. There's no sidewalks the in that place. The address, Mara, can I just get the address that you about? I'm sorry. Can I have your address? 26 Elm Place. Great, thank you. So my house literally sits on the street, right? And then you have Berks Academy. There's no place to put sidewalks down here. And the, the traffic flow is a concern to me because co coming in and out of the proposed building, the flow is gonna go up and down Elm. And there's a sharp, sharp corner there. At right at the corner of Berks, where it comes down Elm. 
so that's it, it's it's kind of a really a blind corner. So mm-hmm. that's a huge concern to me that in in this off off-site parking. So where is the traffic flow coming in and out of this building? It's going to be on Elm Place, correct? Well, why don't, why don't I look to direct your questions to the petitioner and their, their expert, and then we can ask our, our peer review who works for the, for the board in our town okay. to, to see if they agree um, or disagree or have comments. Okay, does that sound like what we should be doing so we can try to address your concerns. Okay. Okay, so thanks, Mara. We're going to leave you as a panelist, okay, so that you're able to continue to, um, for right now, so that if there are questions that you have after there, uh, there's an attempt to address, you'll have an opportunity to ask more questions or see what your comments are. So Good. I've, I've, been, I've, I've been promoted. Been, <laughs> <laughs> it might be temporary, so hang on. <laughs> So I'm going to ask the um, the petitioner if um, your traffic engineer wants to address the questions. If might like to be heard about that. Sure. So this is Angela, and we do have Jeff Dirk from uh, from the NOS on. Jeff. Okay. I'm just looking. Jeff, are you, there you are. Hey, Jeff. I am, Angela, it would be helpful if you could put the site plan up. Yep. Please. So, good evening, Mr. Chairman. For the record, my name is Jeffrey Dirk. I'm the managing partner with Vanessa Associates and we're the transportation consultants for the project. Um, so in response to the questions, we the, the access to the project site primarily is from uh, Elm Place. We have, as was mentioned, a few parking spaces, 11 along Pittman Road, but the balance of the parking um, is access from Elm Place. And Angela, if you could just highlight where the driveway entrances are for the for the project. Thank yeah. you. So you so you see there's two primary driveways that are serving the project and then the driveway in the southernmost end with a I think where you were mentioning that bend in the in the road at Elm Place, that's the the driveway that would serve the parking area for the tumbling academy. No. The bend in the road. The bend in the road where I think Angela, your hand is, um, that's the, that's the, I believe, is that the bend you're speaking of where the Tumbling Academy is? Right. But then if you go, there's, there's three residential houses down here. Well, actually two. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't want to occupy everybody's time. <laughs> we, these are good questions. We want to, we want to address your questions. This is something we have jurisdiction over. So, um, I don't know if it's helpful. So between, if we looked at between Essex Place and the Tumbling Academy um, building, there's- If you the, go to your left. Between Essex, Essex Street and the Tumbling Academy building, there's going to be three driveways on the project side. There's two driveways- That's the not the concern. Side. So Mara, uh, why don't you let Mr. Durst- Okay. Make this presentation and try to address your questions. It'll be a lot more productive, but we can do that. Okay. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, so the two driveways closest to Essex Street of the three serve the residential building, the proposed residential building. And then there's a driveway at the dogleg bend that I think you're talking about. When you get closer, if I'm driving from Essex Street and I'm heading towards 
the Tumbling Academy. So I've turned from Essex Street. I'm an L place driving towards the Tumbling Academy. Right before I get to the Tumbling Academy, there's a bend in the road. Then, then, then it travels along the front of the Tumbling Academy. So that bend is where you're speaking of? Yes. Correct. So our driveways are between that bend and Essex Street. I don't know if that's helpful. Well, can I can I ask a question, Mr. Dirk? I'm I'm trying to figure out if it shows like the layout of Elm Place so that I could see what Ms. White's talking about for the access off of Elm Place. Hey, Jeff, could I? This is Rod Emery again. I, I think most of the traffic coming to the project from the parking lots are going to be in that short block of Elm Place yes, toward Essex yes. Street. They don't go down the backside of Elm Place where her house is located. So most of the traffic is going to come in and out of the driveways, the closest to Essex Street, and go yes. right to Essex Street. And that, yes, I think that was shown in the, the traffic report that that's where most of the traffic goes. That's helpful. That yeah, that, that's right. And, and thank you for clarifying that, Rodney. I was probably getting a little, little getting off track from where her comment was heading. But yes, most of the traffic is just traveling on that short block distance. It, it won't go through that bend that you're talking about uh, because it'd actually be going out of the way. So they're going to go, they're going to go um, north, essentially. So they, they will, if you live beyond the bend, let's say, um, our traffic really isn't going to go that way. They're, it's going to go right up to Essex Street. So could, could you show me on the, do you know where Miss White's house is on the plan, um, Angela? Do you know where that Might is? Might be good if you could zoom in on that part. Sure. It sounds like one of these houses. Correct. So our traffic, it will not, not to say no one's going to go that way, but the majority of our traffic um, is going to be, it will not go past your house. It's gonna go right up to Essex Street because our driveways are closer to Essex Street. And the, second part, and the second part is there is a sidewalk that's being proposed along that that frontage there too so there's a much better improvement in access for with the sidewalk right sorry there's to interrupt no, there's there. no place to put a sidewalk i'm sorry i'm gonna stop <laughs> hey, hang on one second why, why don't we uh let heather ask her question please um yeah i was wondering is it possible to have a um left turn only out of the parking lot so that there isn't even the option to go right and, and scoop around there um, because she's right there's there's not just a sharp turn at the burst academy there's another right angle turn a few you know a few houses out because the street is a is a u basically um, so is it possible to just i, I know it's two-way traffic but when you're coming out of there just have a left turn only um, sign there, there is a those those secondary spaces that are located down along in place that would be the exception to the sort of contiguous site parking there that would be impacted by a no a no a left turn only situation there so it might affect circulation you certainly can come in a different direction to get to those satellite spaces i'll call them you have a visual of the full including the satellite spaces instead just that's zoomed out and shows all of Elm's Elm Place. Yeah, so the match line, um, it, it repeats a little bit if you follow. So like this right here is the same as this right here. So if you imagine it's here and then this is the new, um, or this is the connected parking lot area. 
if that makes sense. Do you have, do you have something that layers it on top of the satellite photo? Because I'm I'm trying to look at that at the same time, and I, I think it's helpful to see where all where the current state. I don't believe so. Okay. Um, I can, if other members of the team know, please speak up. I'm not, so other members of the team can speak up, but I'm not sure if we have that exact diagram. Well, this is Peter Freeman, one of the attorneys. The, you know, the, at the bottom of this sheet is actually, uh, should be the continuation of what the top right of the plan shows. Mm -hmm. That's basically what the entire strip of the satellite parking would would be. I guess it would be nice to see it and how it relates to the full U of Elm Place. Does that so does that continue past where Elm Place turns left and goes back out to the main road? I believe this is that turn right here. And then the the you're showing beyond that turn, um, there's you know parking spaces in a building. What is what is that area there? Yeah, so this is an existing storage building situated on a parcel that is indicated by this black line, and this is where the project parking will locate 21 of our parking spaces via an easement agreement. And then are those space, sorry, I keep asking, are those spaces where the number 17 is, those are more Burke spaces? Correct, these are okay. for BTA. It's quite with your questions um, addressed. Yes, yes. I'm just um, still concerned with the. Yeah, that... I'm saying that they could answer, address, you know, satisfactory. Yes, thank you. Through. Yes, thank you for your time. Oh, sure. So I'd encourage you to, you know, if you have questions or thought, to reach out to the project team, or uh, you know, to to email or or call and ask your questions, and um, so that you're kept apprised of um, if there are any changes or um, you know, the question about the sidewalks. I, and I think that's a very interesting question as to what can or might be done with sidewalks. Yeah, I'd like to know too. <laughs> okay, thank okay. you. All right, all right. So I think the promotion might be over. I think you can go back unless you have more questions. Okay. <laughs> So Marissa, who is next uh, for questions? Let's see. I have for my attendees, um, and Driscoll. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Okay. Can I have address, please. I'm sorry. Your address. Two Upland Road. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I do have a number of questions. Um, getting back to what Miss White was bringing up, uh, and uh, Vin, the representative from Van Ness was saying that the traffic would be routed down Elm Place into the parking area and then routed back out to Essex Street on that first leg of Elm Place. But if there are other parking spaces as we've just been, have, as that have just been identified, it would seem to me that the flow wouldn't just be at that first part of Elm Place, but would continue on. So um, I can understand why uh, Mara White is concerned about that dog leg because there would be traffic, it seems, unless I'm misunderstanding. Um, so I just wanted to get some clarity around that. Um, this next question I have is about uh, Pittman. And uh, I understand that um, all of the 11 parking spaces have now been moved onto um, the, the actual property. But what happens to those public spaces that were along that side of Pittman? So that's another question I have. Um, I also have a question about, um, I didn't hear anybody address the issue of if there are more than one, if there's more than one car in a unit, how that will be allocated and how that will be enforced because I do have concerns that there will be overflow parking into the surrounding neighbors and, uh, neighborhoods and I'm wondering how that is going to be addressed both on the part of Wynn and you know um, public safety and enforcement. Okay, great and, questions. Um, I know I have another one. <laughs> um, you know it I don't know, are we supposed to be asking about traffic as well? Because um, I know that there had been some recommendations for cross hatches and that kind of thing. Is that being held for another time or is that part of this discussion tonight? Well, so right now we're, we're we don't have all of our um, comments back from our peer review. We're just trying to take advantage of the opportunity we have to focus on the peer review that's been done and the plan that's been done with the experts we have. You have some great questions that I'm gonna turn it over to the applicant first to look to address um, your questions. Well, I guess I, I appreciate your comment there because um, it's hard for me to fully comment if we don't have all the finalized plans. So. I would like to be able to reserve further comment when plans are finalized so that we can, or I can, uh, you know, comment in a fully informed kind of way. Absolutely, that's my job to make sure that you get the opportunity to address uh, the items that we have presently. And then if there are proposed changes that you can comment and ask questions about those as well. 
So I'm not going to limit yours or anybody else's ability to, um, to comment and ask questions about new things. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. So, uh, so I'd ask the petitioner if they could address Ms. Driscoll's questions. Uh, sure, before potentially handing it over to Jeff or Deb for some of those, I do just wanna clarify that the plan that we are reviewing tonight um, in response to Rodney's comments, there uh, were no changes, just clarifications. So like a dimension was added that wasn't there before, but the dimension hasn't changed. So everything we're viewing tonight, um, we don't anticipate further changes based on, on Rodney's comments. Just wanted to clarify that. Okay, thank you. So I can clarify, Mr. Chairman, um, and Ann is correct that the, as Angela had mentioned, if, if we decoupled this plan and hooked it all back together, there are, it looks like there's roughly about 21 spaces of that, Angela, correct? Correct. That would be to the, the east of the dog leg. So any traffic, traffic that is going to those 21 spaces, at least some portion of it would need to drive through that dog leg. So that, that's, that's correct, Ann, and that's a, that's a correction to my statement, our prior statement, because that's the only way to really get to those 21 parking spaces. The, the project, in terms of how much traffic it generates related to those spaces during the peak hours, which is when the traffic volumes are the highest, the project's generating somewhere between 30 to 40 peak hour trips, and only a portion of those trips will be going to the 21 parking spaces there. So it's a, it's a relatively small number, but you're, you're correct. It's not a, it's an incorrect statement to say that no traffic from this project will be going through the dog leg because the only way to access those spaces is to go through the dog leg. So um, I appreciate you pointing that out and that is a correction and a clarification of my statement. Thank you. Okay, and were there any other questions that Ms. Crystal had that need to be addressed? Um, this is Gilbert. Um, and uh, nice to hear from you. Uh, I'd say one of your questions was, you know, how do we assure that there, there won't be more than one parking spot per, call it tenancy? Uh, the, the answer really is that as the landlord, we're not going to be assigning folks um, more than one parking spot. Um, we're not going to be assigning folks more than one park parking spot. That's our traffic mitigation plan. Sorry, our, our parking mitigation plan. Um, we don't want to incent people to have more than one car. Uh, whether somebody signs, you know, onto a lease, gets their parking spot, and then has a second car, they wouldn't, um, you know, have permission to stay on our property. We're going to have again assigned spots. We'll have towing and things like that. Um, it'll be a, a not very attractive place to live for folks that have two cars. That's This is a transit-oriented development for a purpose. Um, we don't wish people to have more than one car. Uh, so I, I guess the short answer is we don't wish to make it attractive. We're not going to let two cars from a tenancy park on our uh, lands. We will tow them if they have a second car. As to what they do with that second car, if they had one, in the cases that they do, um, yeah, I think that's a traffic enforcement issue for the town. That that I'd be supportive of things that you may suggest. I I just don't know what we can do when it's not our property. Okay. 
Um, thank you. Does um, she also she also had a question about um, the cars that are current that currently use that right side of Pittman Road for parking. Um, has anybody uh, studied what the the situation is with those cars? Because those cars obviously can't park. They'll be double. They'll park in, you know, the space. They'll they'll be double parked with the eleven spaces that are there. Hi, this is Deb Colbert with Hancock Associates. Um, Angela, can you zoom in on Pittman Road? <clears throat> so currently Pittman Road is approximately 23 feet wide with a sidewalk. <clears throat> and you, in order to adequately have traffic, two-way traffic flow, you need 20 feet of pavement and currently there's 23 feet of pavement. So currently they are parking illegally and there's not adequate two-way traffic flow on Pittman Road. And we did bring this up when we met with um, the public works director, Gino. Mm -hmm. And so by moving all of our parking spaces onto our property, we're actually widening Pittman Road to be 24 feet wide, which will meet the standards and adequately access for two-way traffic on Pittman Road, for which the public works director is very happy about because now people will safely pass two-way traffic on Pittman Road with adequate pavement. Um, currently, there are people parking on Pittman Road that they park up on the sidewalk. So we're actually improving the public right of way um, by expending, by um, widening Pittman Road. And uh, Gino is going to look into um, what improvements that he may make as a public works director and address that. Okay. So I guess the question remains, uh, where will the, I mean, I know you don't know where will those cars go, but we are display. We're still displacing people who are currently parking there. Most of the roads in Swampscott, when people are parked on, are become too narrow for two-way traffic, especially in the winter. So that's not an uncommon thing. But those cars are still there. So I guess, you know, we're creating. The, you know, the fear is the fear of the neighborhood is that we're we now we're displacing more parkers, and where will they go? And we're adding, you know, more more um, cars that won't have a place to park. So I guess the question is. How frequently is that? I mean, is it like, oh, a couple cars park there once in a while, or is that usually full? Um, we've we've kind of watched Google Maps throughout the past year and a half, and there's usually approximately four cars parked up by Elm and Essex, I mean, Essex and Pittman, and then further down <clears throat> where the fire truck turnaround is, there are people that park into the current people's property. Um, the our ownership. So um, there's approximately six cars at the max that we've seen over the past year and a half. And again, most of those people are parking up on the sidewalk. Now, which are any? Do you know if one of the applicant knows if any of those cars that are parking are for the homes that are being um, acquired or have been acquired? And we'll we'll um, be there when this project's built. Well, there's there's um, there's a 
residential house that's um, on Pittman Road that probably some of those cars are parking there um, for two of the buildings that are coming down. We don't, I don't, you know, we didn't go out and see whose cars they are, or, but again, there's only been approximately four or five. That's a good point though. They could be uh, not net losses, but um, Heather, I wanted just to re uh, reply to something you said, because one of the elements that we thought was important was to create this kind of ground floor experience of direct entry townhomes along Pittman. So that's really who's going to be park parking there. It's as though, you know, our goal was to sort of mimic what like a single family home um, outcome would be, right? Where you would just have your own parking spot right in front of your house and it wouldn't read on the on the ground level like a large multifamily building, but on the ground level it would read like somebody pulls into their house, they park and they carry their groceries inside. So we're hoping they're gonna be full. We're hoping they're gonna be full with the people that live in those townhouses um, so that it sort of mimics what the other side of the street looks like. Okay. Um, I should ask uh, Rodney if you have any comments on any of the discussion. I, just the last one, I think she mentioned cross hatches. I assume that means the do not block the intersections where Upland Road is. That is, yes, would definitely I, be part of the plan. If I might add um, a couple of comments, uh, I didn't get into it very much, but uh, the original traffic study did not include Hillcrest Circle, Upland Road, or Essex Terrace. And um, having lived uh, on, on Upland Road for 40 years, I can tell you how challenging it is to uh, take a left-hand turn onto Essex Street uh, right now, because at Burpee Road, people are able to take a right-hand turn uh, on red. And then there's the you know green light traffic on Essex Street. So there's never really a break if the traffic is heavy to get out onto Essex Street. So uh, cross hatches at the very least is a, a help. Um, and, uh, but you know, there's a, the neighbor that lives um, not on the house that lives on the corner of uh, Essex Terrace and Essex Street, um, but the house next to it to the east, um, they actually have a trip plate uh, to enable them to get out onto the street. Um, so I'm wondering if there are any mitigations that have been looked at by uh, on the part of traffic um, review to address those kinds of issues, as well as things like uh, making Pittman Road, I mean, I'm sorry, Elm Place a one-way um, so that all of the traffic is not is, is, you know, not, there's not competing traffic coming in and out uh, of those, in, those two entrances and exits. Those, those are great points, Ms. Driscoll. Anyone that's been on Essex Street <clears throat> with those streets, I'm, I'm very familiar with it, it Burpee Road. It, it's, it's very difficult because uh, it's so narrow. Um, so it, that's you know right in the middle of the, the two um, entrances with Elm Place. So Rodney, have you taken a look at that um, part of it? Yeah, we did in the supplementary 
Um, the first pass, we did make that comment, and Jeff and the AI came back with, you know, agreeing with us to at least look at uh, some additional striping and signing to try to keep the, the those side streets open to make the turns easier. Um, we certainly could take another look at it, though. Okay, that'd be great. I just know it's that when I when I think about uh, the traffic safety from somebody who uses the streets, that's the area that appears to me um, that is um, very congested um, and that traffic light in Burpee, it's so narrow they're turning in. Um, and I can see why the, the residents have concerns about the increased intensity um, from the use and with being able to access, access their streets. Um, Coincidentally, uh, if I might just add, um, it was Van Ness that did the traffic uh, study in preparation for the Michonne School um, renovation, turning that into 38 units of uh, affordable housing for uh, seniors. And at that point, and I think this is, I don't know, I think it might've been 2016, I could be wrong about that, but uh, at that point there were 2,200 cars uh, going in and out of Burpee. And since then, Michonne has been completed. Uh, there's now another proposal for 160 units uh, back on Vaughn Place. Uh, so it's, it's a very much a concern. Mr. Chair, we did, um... I think as, as um, Ann was alluding to, we did commit to the installation of the do not block markings and the signs at those intersections, recognizing uh, the queuing issues there. And we also committed to retiming the traffic signals and the coordination between the intersections, because as I think everyone's mentioning, the issue of the backups is uh, of, of one of the reasons why it's difficult to get out of those neighborhoods. So um, some of the traffic signal timing improvements that we committed to doing along with the do not block uh, certainly are trying to achieve what, um, what's been asked in terms of improving traffic flow, but also uh, facilitating uh, the ability to get out of those neighborhoods. Um, and we can certainly work with your peer review consultant to see if there's any other creative measures that we can come up with. Great, well, thank you. Thank you for your comments, Ms. Driscoll. Thank you very much you know. for hearing me out. Sure, and you'll have uh, further opportunity because I think that you know we'll, we'll hear back from um, both of the consultants um, for the petitioner and for the town, and uh, continue to address to make it a better plan. So, is there anyone else that wanted to be heard on these traffic and parking and safety issues? Just to raise your hand. Uh, next up, I have Tara Gallagher. Marissa, do we have a lot of people that are still waiting in the queue? Uh, after Tara, I have two more hands. Okay. Thank you. I should just give the expectation to everyone. Um, it's 20 minutes of nine now, and I don't plan on continuing the hearing tonight any later than 10 p.m. So I have that expectation for everybody. Okay, so Ms. Gallagher? Uh, hi, can you hear me? I can, yes. Great, Should thank I you. Um, I mostly want to um, ask about width of sidewalks, but the previous conversation um, makes me want to make a point. So I live at 12 Hillcrest Circle, and if I am going out during rush hour in the morning when the high schoolers are going to the high school, as everyone mentioned, it is very 
tight. So I never can make a left turn out of Hillcrest. I make a right turn. I scoot down Elm Place and then around and then back out. So I make that that turn that the previous uh, the woman earlier was concerned about. And I think it's unrealistic to think that the um, the traffic from this development will go in and out, primarily will go in and out of Elm Place. It's much, much easier to enter the Essex Street traffic flow if you scoot around because you've got the burpee light. Um, and so you're, you're, you're on the other side of that light. So if you're making, if you're trying to go, I guess it's Northeast on um, Essex Street, it's much easier to do it that way. So I think there, you know, there will be quite a bit of traffic um, around the that woman's um, the the two houses that are sort of opposite Burks. So that that was just a, a point I wanted to make. Um, my concern about sidewalks, I just want to ask how wide they'll be. Um, I think it's important that sidewalks are wide enough for a double stroller where the two parts of the stroller, you know, side by side stroller. And the only reason that I'm motivated to ask this is I had occasion for the first time on Sunday to walk on the sidewalk that separates the Mashan um, development from the house right next to it, sort of going up Burpee. I was walking in um, the Jackson Woods and I came down um, and used that sidewalk. And with a little bit of snow on it, it's the tiniest sidewalk I've seen in my life. With a little bit of snow on it, it was completely impassable. I had a go into the parking lot and, and walk out that way. So I never would have thought that really sidewalks vary so much in dimensions, but obviously Swamps got approved a very tiny sidewalk recently. So, you know, how big are we tied? Is it safe for people who have kids on these sidewalks? How big are they? Can you fit a side-by-side -side stroller? So that's um, a question I have. And a, a second question is if, I live in the um, in the development and I have my car parked in my parking spot, but I've got two friends over for dinner and they both drive. Where are they supposed to park? Guest parking. Okay, great questions. I'll turn it over again to the, uh, the petitioner um, first. Uh, Deb, would you like to take the sidewalks question? Sure. Deb Colbert again with Hancock Associates. According to uh, Massachusetts ADA requirements, the minimum sidewalk that you're allowed to have is actually three feet wide. And if you have a sidewalk that is three feet wide, then um, any distance longer than 500 feet, you need to have a, a passway. So you need to extend that sidewalk. We are proposing a, um, five, four, four foot wide sidewalk with a curb and it's a granite curb. And so technically the, the width of the sidewalk is actually four and a half feet, which allows for two people plus to pass. Um, and so we are meeting the state regulations in regards to that and Swampscott's regulations. Um, it, if I could clarify one thing, I wasn't just asking about the sidewalk along Elm Place, but there are other parts within the parking lot that are designated as sidewalk. So I was also asking about those areas, which may not be like traditional ADA sidewalks, but you were you were using that term and talking about them. 
So I'm also mm -hmm. asking about those areas. Yep, all along um, Pittman Road, the sidewalks are four and a half plus six inches of curbing. So you have five feet there. Um, and then along Elms, Elm Place, the sidewalk is four and a half feet wide. But what about the areas within the parking lot that are designated for people to walk? There's very few areas within the parking lot itself for people for uh, actual sidewalk. I think it's just this it's just the yep five feet. Maybe you could you could just so that we could all get an idea of everywhere that there are sidewalks in the project just to to show us. So if the public's aware, the board's aware. Sure. So Deb confirming this is either either four and a half or five inclusive of a granite curb. Correct. Um, sidewalk along Pittman. Five feet. And that's all inside on your property. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And this is five feet then? I believe along um, Elm Place, it's four and a half. Four and a half, okay. And I know there's some existing sidewalk here that will connect and sync up with. Yep. And then along and then, here, I know it's that four and a half. It's four with the six inch granite curb. Correct. And I, this is because it's by a door, it's got to be a minimum of that's got to be a minimum of four and a half. And I, this is the land. So I think that's, that's it. So they're either four and a half with a six inch granite curb or they're five feet with curbing. Um, thank you. Can you also um, answer the question about guests, guest parking? Yeah, so <clears throat> right now we plan to have a few dedicated visitor spots in this connected lot over here. Um, as we've been saying though, you know, I think that you know, we'll start with a few and it might be that we can have more than that because this project is predominantly studios and one bedrooms and TOD in nature it's 84 out of the 120 units are studios or one beds and just based on our experience managing and developing other similar properties we really don't think we're going to have an issue here so the reality is we'll probably have more spaces even available for visitors outside of a few dedicated spots. Can you say how many dedicated spots? Right now we're envisioning two down here. So I guess that doesn't seem like very many to me if a couple of different people in, you know, on a Saturday night, a few different units are having some friends over for dinner.
I, this is Gilbert. I, I understand your concern, Tara. I, I think it's, it's somewhat, you know, similar to what's true of anyone living in a house that has guests. There, most people don't have four or five parking spots. So, you have a guest over, they find public parking for the two hours they're there, and they leave. I think these folks are going to behave much the same way that you would in your own home. Um, the other hand you're more likely to entertain in a home than you are in a studio. So I think there are gonna be very few, I'd say people entertaining, you know, seven days a week, but yeah, I agree with your concern. There, there will be people that will park, will have to find parking and walk or have to take an Uber or have to take a bus or have to walk as they go to dinner. So they'll circle the neighborhood, which is already quite congested. When people have guests, yeah, I, I don't, the, you know, one of the balancing acts we also had was assigned spots versus visitor spots, um, right? We could reduce the number of signed spots and have more visitors, but we're not, we're not, I, we, we can look at that. I, 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 but I think that what we were hearing from the community is people wanted to make sure that the people that are there more often are not circling a lot. So it is a balancing act. Well, um, Mr. Wynn, what, what about <clears throat> as part of your um, parking management plan, could you have a plan to incentivize residents um, to not have a car by if their rent would be $50 a month less, so it creates a visitor, an additional visitor spot or something along those lines to try and have dedicated parking spots to people who want them, but also looking to attract residents who aren't going to have a car. Mark, I think that's a great idea. And I actually think we are going to do that in the sense, um, this isn't set in stone, but it, their tax credit law does allow you to charge for parking if you don't take subsidy on those parking spots. It's a bit of a, a, a niche um, point. But if we decided to go that route, we, and then we just charged for parking, we do believe that there would be folks that would be disincented from having cars, and then we would love to have more um, visitor parking. We, we can certainly examine that. We have to talk to the state as well, because they're going to be funding this, and they have their own opinion on paying for parking but, um, or penalizing for parking. But we're open to that. I just want you to know we're, we're looking for people to have fewer cars. Okay, well, maybe that's something that we could work on with all these management plans, parking management. Part of that is, you know, what you could try and do to alleviate some of those concerns from um, the neighbors. It seems like that's an, an excellent question by Ms. Gallagher and about where, where guests are going to park. You know, first it was where a resident should try to address that. I think you've done a nice job, but now it's trying to balance it and manage it with guests as well. Understood. Okay. Uh, Ms. Gallagher, uh, excellent questions. I'm going to uh, go to the next question, but if you have further questions, if there are changes in the plan, I'll invite you to, to, to comment or question um, again. So uh, Marissa, who is next? Next, I have Ali, uh, I'm not sure if it's Libby or Libby, but uh, Ali is next. Okay, so if I could have your ad. Hi, I'm Allison Libby, Ali Libby. I live at 34 Pittman Road. Okay. 
Um, so I'm also concerned about losing the spots on the other side of Pittman Road. Um, my husband parks on the road. Apparently he's one of the illegally parked cars um, and we need that spot. So I'm wondering if all the residents and guests, or well, all the guests of the Elm Place project are gonna be able to come park on our side of Pittman Road. Well, it sounds like what the, um, what's likely to happen with the current plan is that the petitioner is putting spots on their property along Pittman Road and with the idea of trying to keep Pittman open so that it is increased width to um, permit two-way traffic, but that impacts your um, experience of parking on um, on street because it sounds like if you continued to park there, the street would be too narrow. And I don't know what the town might do with um, parking restrictions on there. Do you have other space on your property? If um, you were, would you be able to install a driveway on your property? Um, yeah, possibly. Might be something that the petitioner looks to work with you on to try and come up with ideas to um, alleviate those concerns so that it, we don't have that conflict with parking. So basically any of the guests from Elm Place could come and park on Pittman Road then? Well, you know, what I'm thinking is perhaps it might make sense for the petitioner to look to try and alleviate parking concerns for the residents, the existing residents along Pittman, and then encourage the the town to change the parking on Pittman so that there is not parking permitted on the public way. They're just ideas that I'm thinking of that they could help you perhaps get off, um, off street parking, coordinating that and um, making it so that it's improved for you and for others. You know, one of this is, um, I think, a potentially helpful comment, which is. I know in Boston, they have a lot of kind of resident only parking after a certain period of time, like at 9 p.m. or something. But then before then, it's visitor parking. Um, and you can't be there for more than an hour or two. So it, in some way, the Ms. Gallagher's comment, the Ms., uh, to, to, to Ali Levy's comment could be addressed on that in the sense that if you live there, then you park there overnight. But during the day or whatever, it would be visitor parking. Right, but you're going to have all these potential new residents who could apply for a resident sticker and also be looking to park on Pittman Road. So what's there existing is gonna change if this is approved. So that's why I'm saying perhaps it might be, you know, I think that you should look to work with the residents on Pittman to try and solve some of the um, potential conflict there. It's, it'd be great to open the street up and make it as wide as you propose, but also trying to uh, address the concerns of the abutters who you're you know, changing what they've had for their way of life. Chair, Chair I, I, I would be happy to talk to Ms. Levy about that. If, if she doesn't have a driveway and we can figure out a way to help her do that, there's only a few houses there, I'd be- We do, happy. we do have a driveway. We do have a driveway. It's just um, easier to park one car on the street or else the cars are blocked into the driveway. 
Got it. If there's if there's things that we can do that are helpful to you, um, I, let's let's whatever creative solutions I, I understand. Let's let's talk. Okay. Okay. There, um, Miss Miss Levy, do you have any other questions or comments about traffic or? Um, no, I mean, my only comment would be to make a special sticker for people who live on the street. So they're allowed to park there. And so I don't know if that's possible or if that's a thing, but it would allow people with the homes there. I know Eddie next door parks on the street. So the same would apply for him, even though he's not here tonight. I have, you know, one other thought. We're going to have this sidewalk on, on the um, petitioner's property. It appears the sidewalk on Miss Levy's side as well, right? Yeah. So I don't know what, you know, looking at the fact that there's sidewalk on both sides, if there's some way to um, to use that space to widen the other side of uh, Pittman to create parking for those residents or something in coordination with the town. Just a, a thought that maybe it might be worth looking at. Um, Mr. Chair, um, oh, yes. sorry. Sorry, this is Ezra Glenn, the consultant from Mass Housing Partnership. I'm hesitant to raise this because I know that the, that some folks in the town's public works said they thought this was a pretty good plan on Pittman Road, but there's always the possibility. I mean, I think it's it's worse in many ways, but there's a the possibility of looking to narrow Pittman Road and create a kind of angled parking situation. You know, essentially get instead of those 11 spaces, you probably get, you know, another 50%, or I, Rod could probably tell you how many more you'd get. Um, it's a it's a less attractive design because then you have, you know, it's more like in a commercial district, but that's something sometimes people do when they have a couple extra feet and they want to squeeze out more parking. Um, this is the kind of weighing that your board needs to do of how much are you concerned about more parking versus a better design and better flow. But um, Rod might have some thoughts on that, I'm not sure. Deb Colbert here from Hancock Associates. Um, I, in regards to angled parking, um, unless it's a one way with two parkings angled on both sides, you're actually losing space of pavement, not increasing pavement space. So you would be decreasing the, uh, the two-way traffic on Pittman. Um, we did bring this up to Gino and Gino is planning on looking at it. And I, I would encourage anyone on Pittman to speak to Gino about it. And um, as Gil said, we're, we're happy to also discuss it. Um, like you said, there is we are adding a sidewalk on one side. Uh, we mentioned that to Gino and Gino said that, well, Swampscott standard is 24, uh, 24 feet of travel way and sidewalks on both sides, but he may have a different point of view when he hears from the three or four people from Pittman. Um, maybe like the um, chair was talking about is removing that sidewalk, but I think it's it would behoove everyone to have the discussions with the town and with um, Wynn. Can I have the contact information for that person? Uh, Gino is the director of public works with Swampscott. Okay. Cresta is his last name. Okay, thank you. Yep. Okay, great. Well, I think that's um, um, some great comments and in, in addressing um, 
looking to address those concerns. So um, I'm gonna see who's next who wanted to ask any questions. Yes, I have Jerry Perry. Okay. Mr. Perry. Mr. Chairman, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you very much. Jerry Perry, 60 Berkeley Road. Uh, Mr. Chairman, first and foremost, I want to thank you and your uh, committee here. I appreciate the fact that you will allow in the future, as I think I asked you at your last meeting, there are several uh, residents of the area who would like to articulate uh, additional concerns once the petitioner has finalized their project. And, and as, as you can see, as I think we all acknowledge, this is a thing in progress. And uh, I thank you for allowing, uh, I think you may hear from quite a few residents going forward once we finalize whatever the, whatever the final plan is. So I thank you for that. I also would like to thank uh, Wind Development. Uh, they've been very kind to uh, certainly me. Uh, and I think I can speak on behalf of Ms. Driscoll. They were good enough about a week or so ago, we had a Zoom meeting to talk about some of these parking challenges that the um, developers facing here. And again, we appreciate their uh, efforts to be uh, reach out to us and, and allow us. So again, I, I appreciate that. Uh, some of the other uh, speakers have taken some of my thunder, if you will, here. Uh, uh, so I'll try to be very quick on a few issues and then raise a couple of new ones, if I may, Mr. Chairman. Um, the Pittman Road thing, yeah, I get all that. I see what's going on. It's kind of creative that they're trying to put the parking on uh, their property. But I think even though I understand the width and the sidewalk, which is inside the parking uh, on their own property, and I think it's kind of an interesting concept, I, I still remind, uh, remind uh, the zoning board that they're still limiting what, if any, opportunities the public has, the existing public uh, residents have on that side to park or whatever it is we're allowed to do by law uh, is being eliminated. And I would ask respectfully that the zoning board in your final uh, deliberations give that its due consideration. Um, uh, another area with regard that's been discussed, which uh, was brought up at our meeting last week with Adam Stein and Angela there, and again, uh, my appreciation. Uh, we saw how they're trying to differentiate uh, the Burks Academy from the rest of the project and trying to put parking and as I understand it, even though there is a line on, on, the, on the plot plan here, but they really don't technically differentiate the parking. I think it's a good idea that they do differentiate, whether it's a curving or what have you. Uh, we in the neighborhood have gone down there. I, I bring to your attention, we have counted as many as 70 cars parked at Burt's Academy for their business, which God bless, they're doing well. And a lot of young kids, a lot of young, uh, uh, young girls go in there with their moms and whatnot there. Uh, it's, it's a large volume business in certain periods. It's not all the time, but obviously I think we can agree that if we have 70 people go in there at certain periods of time, coupled with the parking that is being contemplated by the developer, I think we can see some conflict here going on. So I think, and I would suggest that there be a curbing of some capacity so they don't overlap into one another and have, don't have that ability. Um, with regard to uh, traffic flow, there's been some discussion of, uh, you know, whether it should be a one way. I, I don't want to speak, you know, I don't live there. I, I really defer to Mara White and her husband, John there. Uh, but the one way thing seems to me to be safer. I think uh, it's important that the peer review comment one way or the other, whether it is safe in nature 
whether one way is better or not. I really don't know the answer to that. It seems to me it is, but I'm only a lay person. And uh, I really think the time has come for the peer review to step up and tell us whether it's safer or not safer. I really don't know the answer to that. And they're certainly welcome when I'm done with my commentary. I'd love to hear whether they would wish to opine upon that tonight. I bring to your attention the fact that the peer review indicates uh, something like 575 uh, uh, traffic flows, if you will, or car flows on a daily basis in there. And, and even though there's been a lot of discussion and conversation about flowing out onto Essex Street, the internal traffic that goes on within the project itself is quite a bit. It's like a bunch of ants flying around here. And uh, you couple that with the Burks Academy and these young, uh, mostly young girls, but certainly there's some young uh, boys going in there. But the bottom line to a lot of young people flying around there, a lot of traffic here. I think we all acknowledge that maybe one of the biggest challenges to this project is parking. And when you incorporate that with Burks Academy, I am really concerned about the public safety. And I haven't heard anything, again, as a layperson, that satisfies me that we're not putting into jeopardy the public safety of pedestrian traffic that's going into that area, especially with regard to Burke's Academy. So I asked the ZBA to give that due consideration and certainly more than happy to hear any commentary that the peer review may have with regard to that 575 uh, cars. Another suggestion, at least I throw it out, I don't know about the one way, I hope you'll give a little more robust discussion on that, but I bring to you the attention of the ZBA, and I'm going to guess the ZBA did this, uh, out on Paradise Road in Vinton Square. Uh, one of the things uh, I go to uh, Eastern Bank is, uh, I'm a client of theirs for many years, and, and as you know, when you come out of Eastern Bank onto Paradise Road, you're only allowed to take a right turn, and I think that was done because the amount of traffic on, on Paradise, it seems to me that we have a similar situation here, maybe at least at certain periods of time not necessarily 24 seven, but if you come out of Elm Place, whether you come out uh, where you know the project is or around the block by the gym there, it seems to me that the, the peer review should give some due consideration and some commentary, whether from certain periods of time that only a right turn coming out of there is allowed. And it seems to me from living in the area for over 40 years, that maybe from like, uh, oh, I don't know, seven to nine in the morning when we get the high school issues going on there, and maybe, maybe from 4 to 7 p.m. in the afternoon, that some consideration be given that it's a right turn similar in nature to another part of the community which has a lot of traffic flow, that being Eastern Bank. So I bring that to your attention and ask it for appropriate consideration, and specifically consideration from the ZBA. Under full disclosure, myself and Ms. Driscoll had a wonderful opportunity today for about an hour and a half to meet with the fire chief. And we, uh, he answered a lot of our questions, our concerns as to whether we believe this is a safe building from a, a fire pr pr perspective. Um, based on the questions we ask, uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I think that the, uh, the chief is willing to go forward and do a little bit more research on a couple of areas. It would be my suggestion, Mr. Chairman, to your committee that because of public safety related matters that you invite the fire chief at one of your next meetings. I'm more than happy if, with your permission, of course, to provide certain questions that I think uh, should be answered. Uh, the chief admitted he needed to do some more research in certain areas that haven't been addressed yet, that we, have, we as a group of neighbors have concerns about this project. And I hope that you'll give due consideration to inviting the fire chief in 
and, and, and hopefully he can respond to some of the things we've asked him and, and, and I think would be helpful to the zoning board to improve or at least to uh, educate the neighborhood with regard to public safety matters as it relates to the fire department. I also would suggest to you, Mr. Chairman, if you would give due consideration to inviting the police chief or the interim chief or whoever he, he is, I really don't know the gentleman, I'm sure he's doing a great job for the town. One of the concerns I have is the lack of resources. Uh, as the zoning board knows, I think it was back in 2017 after uh, approval by town meeting, the zoning board put certain restrictions on Michonne School, um, which as I understand for the most part have been uh, properly done. So there's no problem in that area. But as Ian Driscoll uh, had commented earlier, Burpee Road has 2,200 uh, cars a day that go up and down that street. There are, that was prior to the Michonne School. Since then, obviously we have more with the, the, the challenges of the traffic with Michonne School. I have personally asked the town administrator, members of the board of selectmen, uh, the, uh, the community development people, uh, former police chief, Ron Madigan, and, um, uh, uh, and members of the staff of the Swanska Police Department, can they please help us on Burpee Road with regard to traffic uh, problems that we have with speeders, running stop signs and what have you. And while they did come up to my knowledge at least one time, what has happened and the feedback I'm getting from numerous people, the police department does not have the resources necessary to, not, not that I want them there 24 seven, but you know, once a month maybe or things of that nature, which brings to my concern this specific um, project. With the amount of more stress on traffic and parking, it is my view, in my opinion, that the police department does not have the, the enough resources to, to help us with traffic enforcement and parking uh, challenges that I know is gonna happen here with spillover from this project. I would suggest, Mr. Chairman, if you'd be willing to consider inviting the police chief in to talk about his ability to resource allocate, to handle the additional challenges that will come with this project, especially with regard to parking and to a lesser degree, I think with traffic, to see if he believes there is enough resources within the police department to handle this project. I also bring to your attention the zoning board, I'm sure you've all read it. The master plan talks at great length about the need for housing and you know, affordable housing, which I, I don't disagree with, but also in the master plan, it is very clear and it articulates the fact that in order to build these kind of uh, uh, facilities that are being contemplated, not only here, but you throw in the Michonne, the Vaughn Place, there's discussions over on Pine Street now, and there's even been some preliminary discussions up in Spinelli Way for a lot of these projects. Um, the bottom line to it is, it appears to me that we probably need more of a parking and traffic enforcement unit. Similarly, you see an urban environment because I think Swampskate is now, in my view, after being here 40 years, has turned into an urban environment. So I think we need to uh, consider resource allocation. I believe it's a public safety issue, Mr. Chairman, which I know you articulated in your first meeting is part of the consideration of the zoning board and I would respectfully suggest you bring them in to see if there's enough resources in the police department to handle all the challenges that are gonna come with this project. I have further suggested uh, to uh, Marzi at the, uh, at the community development, I think we all agree, well, I don't know, maybe the developer does it, but certainly the neighborhood does that the challenges with the parking is gonna spill over into the neighborhoods. Uh, I, I love to hear the fact that there's only tentatively two 
visit a spot. I think we all common sense would acknowledge that is certainly not sufficient. And what I've suggested to the town is that there'd be a comprehensive parking plan uh, uh, enforcement, if you will, of the surrounding streets. That would be Burpee, Upland, Hillcrest, Essex Terrace, Borough, Essex, Maple, even around the corner to Middlesex and, and whatnot, and Suffolk or what have you, because I think what's gonna happen, I think we all agree there's gonna be tremendous spillover. It is my view respectfully that the, uh, obviously the developer wouldn't come here if they weren't doing it, if there was a certain level of profit margin associated with this stuff. And as such, it seems to me that the, uh, either the peer review or the developer should be working with the town and, I, and it shouldn't be all on the taxpayer's expense to develop these kind of uh, enforcement or parking proposals similar in nature to like resident parking or only street parking. I don't have the answer to that, but I do know that that has not been explored yet. And I urge the zoning board to please try to encourage the developer to do that. Uh, I, I'm getting worried that the town is getting on the hook for a lot of expenses here. Uh, that I don't think is, uh, is appropriate given the fact that the developer should be bearing some of the brunt of some of these expenses. So I ask you for that consideration as well. I thank you, Mr. Chairman, with regard to the snow question. I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, I think it's an issue that, that should be um, addressed. Having said that, Mr. Chairman, um, I'm more than happy. I, I made commentary, I've asked a few questions um, and I'm hoping uh, to hear some response on some of these matters. And um, again, I would strongly encourage, I'm gonna repeat this, that the zoning board invite both the police chief and the fire chief in to ask some questions as it relates to public safety, certainly in the realm of uh, traffic and parking issues. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah, thank you very much, Mr. Perry. Uh, very, all very uh, great points, um, well articulated. Um, with respect to what I listed as items five and six, which are fire and police respectively, and inviting um, both of uh, the chiefs to our um, public hearing. One thing that I think is important through this process, and I'm gonna ask Ezra for his comments on that, but I understand um, it's important for the petitioner to work um, with public officials to develop and satisfy, to develop plans and satisfy the concerns of those, um, of those individuals. So Ezra, what do you think about inviting um, fire? And those are things we have jurisdiction over, public safety, inviting um, the, the respective chiefs to attend and comment um, on the issues that are raised. Sure. Um for starters, I mean, it's important to recognize that when this application came in the front door, one of the first things that your staff did was get it to all those different officials. Um, that's a fairly standard process and, and we've asked them for comments. Um, the developer has also been um, pretty uh, upfront about working with them to sort of, in a creative way, I think is what we've seen, to sort of think through and refine the proposal. Um, it, there's nothing wrong at all with asking those officials to come and, and present. Um, sometimes they like to simply provide a letter, you know, saying my concerns have been addressed, or this is, you know, I don't even want to meet, but this is what I want to see. Other times they really like to come and, and chat with you about, about what they've done. And that's really up 
up to you and to them. Um, but we certainly want their input. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes that can become more of a, you know, they may have worked at all sorts of stuff, but the residents want to see them represent that to you. You know, yes, I've looked at it. This is sprinklered. It's safe. I can get the trucks in and out, that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I think it would be great to, at the minimum, have a clean letter. And we actually asked for, for that from the applicant when they were talking before about working through those turning radiuses with the fire chief. You know, we said, we at least want to have something on paper that says, you know, we don't just want your word for it, that, that it's going to work. We want their word. Um, but I think it'd be great if, if you could get them at the next meeting as well. Okay, so I'll, I'll ask Marissa to um, relay those comments. That I were did want to... There's, there's one other point that's been sort of a theme coming up around overall enforcement or the, the town's ability to kind of handle um, the kind of growing impacts of, of development. And I do think it's important while the board should be looking at immediate impacts and ways to mitigate them, if there are overall issues that the town needs to deal with, those are issues the town needs to deal with. And um, you can get into a, a complicated place where it's sort of inappropriate to to put on this development, the, the need to mitigate a townwide problem. And that can be true with, you know, water or sewer supply or school capacity or um, enforcement. If it's a specific thing, you know, on this street, you need new signage or this intersection, you need a, a signal or a sign, uh, that, that all makes sense. Um, but, you know, increasingly the, the, the case law around 40B, and you can check with town council on this, but it's generally said, you know, things that the taxpayers need to handle, the taxpayers need to handle. Um, and then that's also, you know, if, if a street needs resident-only parking or to be made one way, those are things you can do. Um, you, you may want to ask the developers to help you do a study to see if that makes sense. Um, but in general, those are powers you have, you know, without this development in the first place. So, right. so if those are things the town wants to consider, it should consider them. It doesn't need the applicant's permission to change the street or, or require resident parking. Okay, great. I mean, that's all stuff that I've, my review preparing for this project that I've read as well. Marissa, I believe I share that, um, the uh, mass housing handbook for 40Bs with you. Uh, I have to check. I don't know that I got it, but I will double check. Well, I'll make sure that I share it with you. And I think it'd be okay. great to provide to, um, you know, residents that are asking questions. I think Mr. Perry would um, definitely spend some time reviewing it, studying it, and understanding it. And that might help to, um, for his um, uh, benefit for some of these issues that he's raising that are great issues. But our, as Ezra's raising, some of our, our jurisdiction is limited um, on some of these, um, these issues that affect that are problems townwide or, or larger than just this project. So um, I'll make sure I get that to you um, so that you can share it with anyone that is looking for it. I found it very helpful for me. Perfect. Uh, so why don't, we, why don't we go through Mr. Perry's list with consultants we have here. Um, and perhaps we should um, take them on. Um, what, I, what I saw first was the question about a limit, number one was eliminating the existing parking on Pittman. We've already talked about that a bit, I think. And that's gonna be, um, should be addressed by the applicant and the consultants and the 
residents there. Um, I, I know that there was discussion earlier about the, what I have as number two, differentiating for Academy from the rest with a discussion of considering curbing going in between the lots, but that was an impediment with the snow removal. So perhaps that deserves some more thought from the, um, the experts, our consultant, as to how to best as part of that snow removal plan, um, because I think that weighs into it. If there's gonna be um, issues that are created with regulating the parking between those two users, owners, and with snow removal and how you separate it. So I think that might uh, warrant some further study and time. Um, and, and also, um, I, I think the point Mr. Perry raises about the 70 cars that he's observed um, at Burke Academy, um, that perhaps trying to get some accurate counts with that use and the number of spaces that are proposed for that use would um, would help with um, opinions on um, whether the parking is satisfactory there and what could be done to improve it. Um, so with, with respect to those first um, few items, and I'll, I'll throw the one way on own place and what um, the specific question was what Rodney thought about if he had an opinion about one way on L place. So why don't I first break it down with that and ask Rodney if he had any comments on any of those questions that were raised by Mr. Perry. Jim, going back to the one way and I'd invite Jeff to chime in with me, but uh, what we look at at an intersection is, are there enough gaps for people to make left and right turns? Certainly you need more gap or more space between vehicles to make a left turn than you do a right turn. And we have a model and a, a tool that we analyze intersections. And I think the level of service was adequate to say there's enough gaps to make that left turn. So unless there was a real impediment to making uh, the left turns out of there, I would stick with the two-way street. I just think it's it makes less driving around, you know, around the block and more impacts to it than it is if we leave it two way. Just my first cut on that. Okay, well, I think you did what uh, on that issue, what Mr. Perry asked for you to give an opinion on it. Um, going back to uh, the Burke's parking for a minute, I, I don't want to get into this, you know, the parking design, but just to point out that space between the two parking spaces and Burks is more than the 22 feet we have other places. So there is room to, to adjust the space there. I'm not suggesting to put curbing in, I'm just saying there's, there's more space between the, you know, the, two, the two aisles of parking to allow you to, to cl close it up a little bit. That, that, that's all I would say. And maybe it's just, maybe it's just a painted buffer that you, know, you close it up a little bit and differentiate the spaces there rather than a raised curb. Well, could it be um, kind of a hybrid where you have some curbing and some area to pass through to remove snow so that there is more different. My, my senses and snow is not, not my area, but I do have, you know, I do have some, you know, my new report experiences again. They generally plow the parking aisles 
And if there's cars parked, they don't necessarily move them out of the way to clear the whole space. If people have a chance to get out of their, you know, get their cars out of the way, I think they do clear spaces. But generally, the spaces themselves are cleaned by the people that are parked there. And generally, the plows come in and remove the snow from the aisles. So it's kind of a two-part process there. Um, if I'm, you know, I, I may be overstepping my expertise here a little bit, but that's what I've observed. And that so might be premature because we don't have their snow removal plan yet. Exactly. Okay. So that's a live discussion that I think we can continue with. Um, and uh, so I think that was if the first um, group of points that were made by... Um, Mr. Chairman, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't know if you can hear me. They're taking the right turn on Essex between seven and nine. And I don't know if that's part of this, where you're at. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm going down your list. Thank I'm, you. Thank I'm you. Four. <laughs> so, but, so I wanted to just do it a, a, a group of comments at a time. And I wanted to give the petitioner if they wanted to comment on that group of questions. Um, if, if Jeff wanted to at this time or if anyone else from your team did, or if you wanted to wait until some of these things get moved further along. Um, I think the one-way question is um, the one that would be great to hear some comments to see if there's agreement with Rodney. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Jeffrey Dirk for the record. So we did look at that because that, that comment came up as a part of the planning board process as well. And you know our review is similar to what, um, what Rod had uh, expressed. You know, in fact, as we look at the distribution of traffic from our project, the most of that traffic actually wants to come up and head, we'll call it southwest on Essex. Um, and so in looking at the, the directionality of the one-way traffic, it just didn't seem to make a lot of sense um, to make the road one way for, for a number of reasons. Uh, but I think, number one, there's, there is adequate capacity and gaps, as Rod had mentioned, to make the turns coming out of the road. Um, there are times a day, and you know, in particular, we talk about the high school traffic uh, when there is, you know, a peak 15 minutes or so where it's congested, and so those turns become difficult. And that that'll get to the, I think, the next area of uh, question that you're talking about, which is the, the turn restriction. But but in general, dispersal is better, and so that's why we did not, you know, we didn't think one way was appropriate, uh, just because of the fact that we want to allow for traffic to be dispersed. There is adequate gaps. And concentrating the traffic at either end of Elm Street, I, I think, is something that's not desirable uh, because the current dispersal works. And so as long as that takes place, and as we've demonstrated, and as Rod has said, that there's adequate gaps, there's no reason to force a concentration of traffic, which, which in some cases can have a detrimental impact. It increased speeds, but it also increased delays in queuing at specific intersections. So we, we just did, there was nothing that jumped out at us to say that there's a need to do that. And then, in fact, doing it may result in some unintended, unintended consequences. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go on to the next couple of questions. Um, well, so that the, the, the right turn only question was number five on my list. We've addressed six was police chief and seven was, uh, was fire, maybe not in that order. And then... Um, the, the neighborhood parking challenges. I think Ezra is pointing out that that may be more of a town-wide issue and that we should be cautious about that. The comment was raised. Um, 
but it may be um, something that might be outside of our jurisdiction, right, Ezra? I think you're muted, Ezra. Yeah, yep. I mean, I think that was the the, the broad point I was making. I'm, I always have to be a little careful about not stepping in and pretending I'm playing lawyer here. You have town council and I believe some lawyers on the board as well. But yeah, in general, that's the idea is keep it focused to the project, to the impacts of it, um, you know, and and treat it like other projects as well. So with respect to question like that, that, um, that Mr. Perry raises, now would that be an appropriate thing for him to address at the select board, which is in charge of parking enforcement to see if they have a plan about what's gonna happen if this project's approved with parking enforcement in the area and allocation of resources? Is that the appropriate spot probably for him to go? Yeah, I would think that would make sense. Um, okay. All right, uh, so so I think we could probably move on see if there's anyone else that wanted to um, ask questions or comment about traffic safety, um, the issues that we've been talking about with our experts tonight. Yes, uh, next I have Leslie with her hand raised. Hello, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for taking our time um, tonight. Can I have your, Leslie, and your address? Uh, Leslie Arulana, 33 Doherty Circle. Thank you. Once again, thank you for your time. Thank you all for your time. And um, I was going to take my hand down because I believe Mr. Perry <laughs> and the other neighbors um, asked all, just about all of the questions that I was going to ask you. Um, I will reiterate my concern is um, the same as theirs, which is the um, parking and the traffic. And um, unfortunately, at the present moment, I don't think it's really um, a valid time. Once again, unfortunately, due to the fact we are in a pandemic, our numbers are up in Swampscott again, and to do another traffic study at this particular time which unfortunately may delay this project further. I don't know, Mr. Wynn, you would know. I don't know, um, Mr. Chairman, you would maybe know. But um, the issue of um, that many cars and parking is a safety issue. Number one, in this town, I've always believed that safety was first. And anything you do, safety is number one. Um, and it is unrealistic, very unrealistic to think that um, the people who will be moving into Elm Place would not have any company. And I've st said this before, stated it before. Um, you are familiar with the dart with, with us at Doherty Circle. We're squeezed in as it is. It's um, been here for a long time. And um, I've said this again before that many of these people here have aides that come here. Sometimes they have people that do need to stay overnight with them, which in turn they get a um, resident uh, on-street parking, just a, I'm sorry, visitor parking um, from the Swampscott State, from the Swampscott Police. Uh, but it's a very, 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 very congested, congested, congested area. So it's everything that Mr. Perry and everybody before me has um, stated. 
Um, I respect Mr. Wynn. I respect all of you, what you're trying to do. I am all for 40B. However, the footprint here and the congestion here is tight. And that is a safety issue. And there's a lot of children as well as elderly and disabled. So that is just my input for this evening. Okay, well, thank you. What, what well, I thank say, you. What I could say, you know, safety absolutely is one of the things that this board has the ability to, um, to have a say in and that we can have under, under the law concerns about. And what we've done because of that concern is we've engaged a consultant who is working for the town um, and uh, Rodney is in that position. He's, I, I could let him tell you his overall opinions about the safety of the, pro the project from a traffic um, perspective, but he's, he's spent a lot of time on it and um, he's an expert. So I'll, I'll let him uh, address if he has anything that he'd like to add. No, I think I think it's it's not a one and done process. That it's all about you know refining the pro, refining the plan and making it better, and always having safety and operation the you know the primary concerns. Um, I think people that aren't traffic engineers and engineers in the business look at numbers and they don't they don't have a, a different perspective. So when we look at residential projects versus retail projects, there's a lot bigger traffic generation. And that's why we use models and analysis and techniques to, you know, to sort of refine things, but, and also our experience on other projects and what we've done in similar situations. And I relate, you know, 50 years worth of experience that I've had, you know, looking at different projects and different impacts. So do we, we always make it better. And I think every time we meet and every time we have comments, the plan gets a little bit better. So that's all I would say in general about it. And I agree, you know, safety is probably overrides, you know, how the operations work, but they go hand in hand. If you have a poor operating, poor operating project, it's going to result in safety issues. So. Oh yeah. Thank you, Mr. Emery. Um, Marissa, is there anyone else that wanted to be heard about traffic and safety? Yes. Um, next up, I have Neil DiCillo. Okay. Hi, it's actually Mary DiCillo. Sorry, I'm using Neil's computer. Um, thank you. I'm, I am Mary DiCillo and I lived at 7 Rockland Street. I am not in a butter to this project. I live over by um, Hadley School. Uh, thank you, Mr. Uh, Chairman. I really appreciate the respectful manner in which you've been uh, entertaining the uh, comments from uh, the people here tonight. Um, it always in a, uh, is, uh, I'm always appreciative when people can be heard. Um, I just wanted to get back to the, um, I, will, I, I also will await the uh, peer review comment, but I did want to refer back to something that the very first slide that, um, was offered by uh, Angela Giles tonight and just wanted to make a comment about it. Uh, the last one said exploration of alternatives, sustainable transportation um, with, um, and you mentioned um, shared, shared uh, cars 
uh, notice board, and it was really as it relates to public transportation. And um, I, I do think that we need to uh, zoom back out a little bit from the, um, the very micro um, lens that we've been using on the parking and kind of go back up to a, 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 a $30,000 30, mile, as they say, lens a bit. And I would like to concentrate tonight on the affordable housing, the relationship between affordable housing, transportation, and employment. Um, Mr. Wynn tonight uh, talked about this project as it assumes access to public transportation. And um, he would like to limit the uh, number of cars per unit to one car or maybe even less and really move people away from having car ownership. And um, I, I, I'm not sure, if, you know, I can understand the, um, the, the rationale in terms of housing choice and some of the, the initiatives that have been done on the state level. Um, I am concerned that Swampscott is being um, confused with a city and we're not a city in terms of access to uh, different kinds of transportation that other places have. So uh, the plan makes uh, many assumptions about public transportation system, the MBTA and the buses, which would not be part of a system, a city system, like uh, that of Boston or Cambridge or, or Somerville or the close in the Revere, which has the blue line uh, on accessibility, reliability and cost. And what we're doing actually, a Swampscott, as we know, is hard to get to from any highway. We, we were kind of locked in here on 1A as, a, as our major route and any time to get out to a highway for us and there are other places have better public access and also public transportation access to those things. So I think that I would like the, the uh, at least some context to be placed around this particular uh, project that we're, we're looking at. Um, if you look at the par parking lot of the Swampscott Depot even today, the parking lot has been, has far fewer cars, almost none. And there are a numbers, the numbers of passengers boarding and departing uh, the MBTA system is greatly reduced. And I kind of know this because I go to the dentist on the corner there and I've had a lot of dental work done recently. And I happen to be there at times when people are coming and going. So it's something I've just incidentally seen over the last two years. Um, so my concern is that we're basing at the premise of this as a transit oriented project. And um, I think we can get caught up uh, in, in not really taking that into consideration when I know the ZB has specific things that that you have to look at that you're you're restricted to looking at but I would hate to use a microscope when a panoramic viewfinder is really needed in this project and my worry is that we're going to be locked into um, uh, counting things that have a lot of validity but there are other things that we have to do so a person that a one bedroom apartment, say let's take a one bedroom apartment with two working uh, adults in that apartment. Um, Mr. Wynn at a very early uh, meeting said that he would like to attract people to this building that are quote cops, firemen uh, or firefighters, um, teachers, public employees, which I think is a wonderful thing to you know have living here but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to live in town and they may come from other places we have also changed the rules around civil service here 
So you have two people, adults living in a, a building that may have to have access to a job that does not take them on an MBTA train to Boston as it once did. And you also can't assume that everybody is going to be working from home and having, uh, there was some mention of having spaces, workspaces in this place. Um, it's a very fluid work situation here. And if you are limiting people's work, access to work by the amount of transportation that they have, have access to, if they had the T that they could get on every 10 minutes or every 15 minutes and get to a lot of different places in Boston other than just North Station, I think that this project would be a no-brainer. I'm a little bit concerned that with the bus system here and also with the um, access and, and affordability of the MBTA, we are putting ourselves in, a, in the hands of a, um, a, a, an aspiration rather than something that can be fully realized. And I, I, I caution um, us as a town uh, along the lines of what Jerry Perry had mentioned about what is it that it's a planning issue, and it's unfortunately in the hands of the ZBA because of the change in the law and because of housing choice, and it's a terrible burden. I would not want to be in your position, but it is a terrible burden on this committee, and I would hopefully, I just with due respect to all of you, um, I, I call upon you to, with your best heads on, to, to make some uh, prudent decisions on this. Thank you very much. And, I uh, will end my comments there. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I would encourage you. I, I, I talked with about um, Marissa sharing the handbook from Mass Housing that really outlines what the jurisdiction and authority of the ZBA is. And you'll see we have somewhat limited jurisdiction here. So I would encourage you to, to read that um, so you have an idea about what type of things we have authority to address here and what we don't. Um, so we're, we're gonna do our best and look to make this the, um, to, to, to address the issues that Ezra and our other consultants tell us that we can address um, and should address. But we have, um, we have to follow the law and that's what you know, I am absolutely sure our board will do. So uh, thank you very much for your comments. They're all great comments. And um, Marissa, is there anyone else that wanted to be heard of questions? I do have one more. Yeah, and it's nine, it's quarter of, so. Um, okay. All right, Cindy Cavallaro. Okay, Ms. Cavallaro, yeah. how are you? Yes, hello everyone. Thank you for having this forum tonight. Thank you everyone for your patience. One thing I haven't heard brought up, and this has definitely got to do with traffic and safety, and only because I've witnessed it several times myself, is during track season, when the kids are out and running and they go down Elm, take a left onto Borough, I see them run on both sides of the street, then some of them try and cross, whether the lights can be synced or not, whether the coaches can be involved, whether it's something that needs to be done internally with the school, and this is off peak hours, but I've seen kids almost get hit trying to cross. They're running in place. They're in different groups of things, but it's a safety and traffic issue that's just happened on more than one occasion when I've been at a red light waiting to take a left on to borrow 
and seeing these kids and like almost want to put the window down and yell at them like they were my own. Like, what are you doing? So I just would be remiss if I didn't bring that up. So thank you for your time. Sure. As a, a parent of a former captain of the track team, I would have been fine with the yelling at my daughter, but um, thank you for your, your comments. Um, I do know that they, as well, that they're running over that way and all over the place and crossing the street. It, it, it's a busy place with all the, the densely congested areas and the train station and the high school and um, the Essex Street being a main um, thoroughfare in town. Absolutely a very, very busy place. And um, we're, we're fortunate to have um, Rodney um, taking a good look at all of these traffic and safety issues. Um, so I, I, I wanted to go back to Angela um, because I think we're going to look to continue the public hearing and to see if there was anything else that you wanted to address before we, um, we look to continue and pick a date for our next hearing. Um, if I if I could, Mr. Chairman, just go over before Angela sums up. Sorry, I'm going to put myself back on video here. Um, I, I wanted to thank everyone for their comments today. I thought, by and large, they were very thoughtful. And, and one of the um, one of the comments that we're going to certainly also look at is some delineation between the the Tumbling Academy parking and our parking, and we can do that in any number of ways. I think somebody suggested. A different color uh, painting. We, we could also figure out how to do that. So I want you to know we will get back to you on that. Um, one element I just wanted to reiterate was we have met many times with the fire chief and the police chief, and and we are obviously taking everything to do with life safety very seriously. And uh, I'd, I'd be very interested, um, my friend Jerry. Uh, you're you, you're never shy, so let us know what questions you pose to the fire chief, uh, we'd love to um, have a chance to respond to those as well. But um, I just want you to know, we've, we've made it very um, a top priority to meet with the fire chief to make sure that the fire chief uh, signs off on our plan. And uh, we're, we're fully happy to answer any questions related to that. So I just wanted to be, to be very clear on that. And finally, uh, before I just turn it over to Angela, um, I think there's no doubt that the plan that we have today has been improved by this public process. The, the recent major change of separating the, the, the Tumbling Academy parking was truly from this public process, it was from Jerry, it was from Ann, was from the abutters. Um, so I believe it's a better plan. And I didn't wanna make every, every change we make uh, uh, against our will, this was, um, this was just an improvement and I'm really proud of it now. And, and we just obviously stand ready to continue the process. Thank you. Thank you, um, Angela. Yeah, thank you, Chairman. Um, I will echo Gil's you know, sentiments that we do. You know, we appreciate all of the, the thoughtful uh, public engagement and public comments and you know, look forward to continuing to work on this project, um, particularly with the, you know, the town's peer review process. So I think I'd like to spend the last few minutes, if it's all right, just talking through um, the next steps there. 
and um, you know we would like to I guess get confirmation that you know we can have um, the time to meet with particularly the utility and architecture peer review teams prior to um, what I'm guessing would be a February meeting and so that we can be prepared to go over any comments um, kind of similar to you know Rodney's comments tonight we're able to you know be prepared for all of those and get back to him um, and then I guess look to schedule a February meeting ZBA meeting mm -hmm. right so Ezra so um... Is it appropriate for me to ask about that 180 day clock and ask the applicant when they believe it started? Yeah, I, I actually, that was one of the, I was thinking we should, for one thing, talk about what next meeting we'll cover. Um, and ideally use this as not time to think about the process from here to, to some closure. And that 180 day clock is a very important part of that. Um, just to kind of update everyone that, I mean, the basic idea is when this came in the door, you had about a month to open the public hearing and then 180 days to conduct that public hearing. Um, I, there, there's a little bit of a confusion about, did, did you open it in, in September, you opened the hearing for an administrative matter um, alone. And then, you know, I think sort of felt really we opened it at that November meeting. I understand that local council did give a 180 day extension of some sort. So maybe that's the starting point is, um, checking with Marissa and Angela for what is the the current sort of drop dead date for this. Sure. So I, yeah. So I see Peter has hopped on, um, and Peter, are you able to address the timeline question? Sure, but not with uh, a direct uh, number of days left. Uh, and, and Chris, if there was some communication about uh, a starting date for the hearing, uh, that would be certainly helpful. Um, the fact is, I think there were multiple times when it could have been deemed to start. And that's why I'm just being candid that I'm not really sure. I think there was you know, an original submission way back in January, but I'm not saying that we think that you know, it goes way back to then. Um, yeah, as to September versus November versus our first, well, I guess November may have been our first hearing, but in any event, um, you know, we can talk to Marissa about it, you know, after this hearing, um, and I'm sure we can come up with something. And Chris Drukas, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. I'm not sure if Chris hasn't chimed in. I know he's having problems earlier with... Um his connection. I know he came back from Florida to the hearing and then we went remote and I'm not sure, but, but um, so that's a, Peter, that's a, um, a, a concern that I have. We opened it, um, I would say only for the purpose of, of engaging uh, some peer review experts right off the bat. We didn't take any public comment. We didn't hear anything from the petitioner. So it was my thought that the clock didn't start. So if there was a different opinion that you have after um, tonight that, that the clock started there, I would just like to know. I think it's fair that we know. Absolutely, Thank we'll you. do that. That's totally fair. No problem at all with that. Thank you. Okay. And I think sort of looking ahead, my, my guess is 
we definitely need, I'd say at least two more meetings and possibly a third one after that would be a kind of a reasonable schedule, I would have thought. You know, one would be to hopefully deal with the stormwater, water and sewer that your peer review consultant has been started on. And we could probably use that time to also finish up some of these issues that came up around um, separation of the two lots, the, the, um, the widths of the spaces, um, the snow removal, those sort of things. And ideally do a first pass at the, at the architecture and design. And then I think then a, a follow-up meeting probably in March would be really good to, to pin those all down. Um, and then I think you probably have a pretty good sense of, are you, are you leaning towards approval with conditions? Are there really intractable issues you, that you've identified or, or what? Um, but what I didn't want is for the board to feel that there was a March deadline looming over them when you know a much better project and process could happen that closed in April or something. So that's, um, I, Mark, if that's okay to sort of say, and I think, it sounds like there's a 180 day extension that was granted at some point. Um, so if, if that could if, if that could be documented and we could figure out when that is, that'd be great. Okay. So I would just ask the petitioner, Peter, to um, respond to uh, Marissa so I can look ahead and see what we're gonna, with Marissa to try and coordinate future meetings um, and checking your team and availability and with the peer review because around uh, the January and the December hearings, it was very difficult to coordinate with all the people that were necessary um, to be available. So Marissa, do we have an idea for the February meeting? So our regularly scheduled meeting is set for the 15th. Um, I don't know what cases are gonna look like in February. I don't know if we wanna maybe plan for a hybrid and then Switch let's, to let's virtual if need be. I, I think we should um, notice it for the February meeting as um, um, that it's going to be by Zoom. Okay. With the ability, if um, there's, I'll, I'll leave it for for me to make the decision if I think it, if that it will safely permit us to gather in a hybrid approach. Uh, that we'll post it on our agenda before okay. the hearing and let um, everybody know, put it on our website as soon as we know. Okay. Um, so we have a meeting already, our regular meeting next week, January 18th. I guess the, the question I would have before we pick a date for February, knowing it's, um, we have a regular meeting right now. I don't know if that I'm gonna be able to use that date um, for this. I'm not sure how many petitions we have. Uh, I can already think of one. So maybe that's the date we could use. And I would, I would think that February 15th date would give enough time for all the stormwater and all the architecture uh, to be addressed and vetted uh, and the opportunity to invite the police and fire and, um, and, and addressing a lot of the issues that were raised tonight. So my, my thought would be, that we use our regular meeting of February 15th and we'll see and Mercer and I'll see what else comes in and what we can perhaps move to a March date for our next meeting of the regular board to try to hopefully keep it dedicated for this or like we did tonight, we had about 20 minutes of other petitions. 
Yeah, oh. the other petition is Chris's too. It's um, so he gets to kill two birds with one stone, I suppose. Um, but it's uh, it, it seems like a pretty straightforward DSP. So okay, so we can make sure that we get the peer reviewers lined up for that date, and Marissa and I can really push them ahead of time to to not just identify, but identify, resolve, smooth out, you know, and kind of crystallize clarity on on whatever issues are coming up. Right, and I, I just want to ask um, Angela, does that February 15 date look good for you, your team right now? Sure does. Okay, great. Um, confirming you said virtual? Well, so my, my thought is that it'll be virtual unless there is a dramatic change and then it would be hybrid. I wouldn't hold it against anyone, our board would not, if they participated by virtual, if we went to a hybrid approach. Same thing with members of the public, mm -hmm. but I think more than likely it's going to be virtual. So with that, I, I'm gonna to look to, um, with the petitioner's uh, agreement, I'm gonna make a motion continue to February 15th for the next public hearing of this matter. Do I have a second on that? Mr. Chairman, if I may just quickly, okay. Peter Freeman. Uh, yes, we certainly agree with that. That date is great and thank you. But um, as I think Ezra had said concerning peer review with Mr. Bomer uh, to try to communicate directly with uh, the applicant and our professionals, if you could basically just acknowledge your state and urge Ezra to tell them that the board does desire that as much as possible, if they can share things directly and, and that it's okay for them to communicate directly with our professionals. Obviously, I'm always reporting what goes on. Nothing happens privately, but you know, just doing that to expedite, and then we'd all report at the next hearing. Peter, let me let me ask you one other question, and it's a great point, and I absolutely agree with it, hundred um, percent. We have a meeting of our regular board next week, a week from tonight. If there's a scheduling issue, what do you think about us continuing it, just you know, basically for administrative to next week, in case there's something we need to address a public hearing. With the full intent that we're going to not have any anything substantive until the February fifteenth meeting, but if there's one of your experts or one of our peer review people who tell us we need to meet a different date in February, that I have that ability to um, schedule, basically. That would be fine because that saves the inconvenience of needing to re-notify and the legal ad and all of that. So. Right. We can, with your permission, we can probably designate uh, one of us as opposed to our whole team to be at uh, next yeah. week's meeting. I, I don't, only if there's an issue would I require somebody to, to be there. So okay. um, I would just need to sign, you know, the continuance form um, would be the only, um, the only thing I'd be looking for. So if there's an issue that gives us an opportunity, I'm, I'm not intending to address anything substantive. I'm not looking for any expert to be there, any consultant, any peer review only about dates if we have a problem. So yeah. that I'm gonna to look to continue to a week from tonight, just for the administrative issues until the 15th, I'm, I'm sorry, no, until January um, 18th. Okay, so I am a yes, do I have a second on that motion? Second. Okay, so, so yes, Brad, you're a yes. Yes. Heather? Yes. Ron? Yes. Tony? Yes. I think that's it for our board, right? Night. Okay. 
All right, so we'll um, we'll plan on seeing you on February fifteenth. If anything comes up, we'll um, see you on January eighteenth in terms of just for administrative items. So, Marissa, very important that we have it on our agenda for next week. Okay. The notice you know, we should list it just like we described it on the notice that only for administrative purposes. Sure. Agenda. Um, um, and to be continued to February 15th for substantive issues. Okay. And uh, that was Chris that just called me. So he's he's heard everything and he's okay. He's good with the 15th. He would like to get this moving along as well as much as possible. So. Okay. Excellent. All right. So thank you, everyone. And I'm going to make a motion to adjourn. Um, and I'm going to assume all are in favor. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Thanks everyone. So I will uh we'll see everyone uh February 15th. And I'll see you by regular on good evening. Tonight. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye -bye. Good night, everyone.